Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a movie analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. uh, And in this way, we catch up on our respective cinema. Uh, So it is the month of February, and we've been going about a special event here on the show called Guilty Pleasures Month. Um, I had first pick this month, and I decided to subject us to uh, the wonders of Paul W.S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat, a movie that is actually very well liked by some people, the right people if you ask me, Mm. (laughs) Um, but it's by no means a a great film in the traditional sense. Um, So this week, Kyle had the got to take the helm of selecting which movie we'd be taking a look at and uh kyle what did you what did you select for this week i chose yon de bont's 1996 blockbuster hit uh twister uh this was a movie that so we had i had movies at different places that we'd go visit like grandparents and stuff like that i don't know if you had that like if you visited your grandparents in hawaii what what would you watch mrs doubtfire there you go um, I had that too. So I had my stepdad's, my stepdad's parents. We visit them. We'd watch Mrs. Doubtfire. My dad's parents. We watch Jurassic Park, the original Star Wars trilogy, E.T., Lion King. Um, and then when I visit my grand, my great grandmother, this was one that she had, and I made my brother watch this quite a bit. Uh, he was very afraid of it because we grew up in uh, rural in the in the Midwest where tornadoes happen a lot, where we have drills throughout the year, and also like actually have to go out into the hall put books over our heads and ass in the air like there's a tornado coming so this movie as a kid um always this it resonated with me because i'm like this is kind of spooky because i deal with this a lot this happens like a lot of the time and i've been in like crazy storms and i've been outside when the sky goes green and it starts to hail and my dad's like all right we have to get in the basement <laughs> so this was a spooky this was a spooky movie for me when i was a kid no not so much uh, i actually put this on if i've had a little bit too much to drink and i need to like eat something or i'm about to go to bed i'm like i'm just going to put on twister in the background and just kind of just kind of watch this for a little bit before i go to bed uh, but yeah uh, this was your first time watching it in a long time i believe a uh, very long time. I, I think I told you off air. I've seen this movie maybe twice. I could even be lying. I may have. I may have only seen this once, like when it was brand fucking new and we could rent it at the blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to be said, this was a huge deal when it came out. Oh, big deal. Oh yeah the 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 promotional hype train behind Twister was gigantic in 1995, 96 around there. Um, I remember like local news was doing specials, <laughs> like behind the scenes featurettes about the special effects. Um, I remember there was a lot of like gags about the 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 uh, famous slash infamous cow scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I seem to remember like a face replacement thing where maybe they put like Regis Philbin's face on the cow or something. I'm sure they did. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this was a huge fucking deal. And in fact, uh, just natural disaster movies in the 90s were a huge fucking deal. Yeah. Um, we were just inundated with, man, God just hated us or something. Because, <laughs> I mean, Dante's Peak, D- Deep Impact, Volcano, Titanic, Armageddon. Uh, yeah, a Titanic was actually kind of funny. Because in some ways you could classify it as not a natural disaster movie, but a disaster movie of some sort. Mm-hmm. But it came way late in the trend, 
to the extent that you would think that like oh like maybe this is like a, a late comer that's just gonna fizzle out it's like oh no <laughs> <laughs> it's like no it's uh, titanic's gonna show you all what's up um but yeah uh this is a this is a genre that i i think of it as like a a warm blanket like this is a, a an entire genre that is essentially a security blanket for for a lot of us in a specific age range yeah um both you and i included um but for me personally twister was kind of i don't know like a lesser um of of the genre like i know you you hold it in high regard obviously you've seen it god knows how many times Mm. um i think dante's peak might be my favorite overall um Mm. I get where you're coming from. Yeah. But but there's also like a, a subgenre within the subgenre of the disaster film, and that is uh it's kind of like a bottle drama slash disaster film. So you have like Daylight, where it's Sylvester Stallone trapped in a traffic tunnel. It's kinda of like the Poseidon of it, adventure, where it's it's you know, it's a disaster on a cruise ship, and then like hard rain. It's like it's a heist movie, but it's during a rainstorm. And then uh what's the other one? I I mean the biggest one obviously is Speed, and oh, funny yeah. enough, same director, Jan yeah, Bond. Same director. And uh, my brother was actually teasing me just the other day about how I went through this phase in my life where I would watch Speed like every fucking day. <laughs> um, so if, if you if you included that in the subgenre, I guess that would be my by far my favorite of all of them. But um, I think can we can we throw a per- the perfect storm in there? I think that absolutely. Counts. I think that, that came be- late. That, might that be came the, later in the game. That might but be the yeah. best one, though. I mean, it it was two thousand. It barely, it just barely made the cutoff. But I think it's the best one. I don't know if I would call it the best. Um, That's one I it, enjoy going back and rewatching. Because uh, it's kind of it's kind of funny at the same time. Because it's uh, a bunch of character actors doing uh, Boston accents. I mean, including Marky Markey's there, but it's just kind of fun. It's a fun well, Marky Mark has some sort of thing where he just every every uh, American martyr in in modern history he has to he has to play them. Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, taking over from Mel Gibson. But except like Marky Mark does like real stories, mm-hmm. like I like Lone Survivor and then the Deepwater Horizon and uh, even the fucking Boston Marathon movie. Uh, oh, he yeah. plays a fictional character in it, but he's at. He's at the event because he has to be there for every American tragedy. He probably executive produced it. <laughs> and by the way, all three of those I think are Peter Berg movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he came even, up with think last episode. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true, but I would put money on it that it is. Did he do Smoke and Aces? I know he's in Smoke and Aces, but I think he did. He direct Smoke and Aces. I uh, maybe. I want to say no because it it looks too stylish for him. He, it doesn't fit the aesthetic when I think of him. Um, no, Joe, but, Joe Carnahan. Oh, shit. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Joe Carnahan can be good. Uh, he actually reminds me of uh, uh, the fellow that did uh, Suicide Squad. I can't remember. David Ayer. Mm. Uh, where he shows promise from time to time, but he always lets me down. Because, like, David Ayer, like, U571 is solid. Fury is solid. Um, but <laughs> Suicide Squad and uh, Bright, not solid. <laughs> <laughs> And Joe Carnahan, The Gray. Oh, that's solid. I like that movie quite a bit. It wasn't fact. bad. Yeah, I, 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 can get, I, I can get around that. It's brutal, but it's it's well made in a lot of ways. Um, but the A Team, oh, 
<laughs> no. <laughs> you can keep that. Same with smoking. One of the worst things I've ever seen, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie, Twister, is kind of funny for me because it's like, I, when I was re-watching it, I, I felt like I was a child all over again because um, there's memory is a funny thing because sometimes your your imagination your memory of things especially movies in my experience um, sometimes it's better than the actual product yeah <laughs> and that was definitely the case here where I was coming back to certain shots in this movie and certain sequences that I really like viscerally remembered and then I saw it play back to me and I was like oh no that that just wasn't as good as I remember <laughs> that's just a shame but at the same time, there was a lot to it that I actually liked a lot more. Um, it's a hundred percent cheesy, yeah. like top to bottom. But it's, it's like not good. No, it's joyful cheese it's, though. It's fun. <laughs> oh, we'll get yeah. to we'll get to the joyful cheese. My next pick. Don't don't worry. No, like, like Twister is a lot of fun as long as you're as long as you allow yourself to go along with the ride. Um, it's winking at you the whole time. You just have to play along with it. Yeah. Um, that being said, you want to get to it, Kyle? Yeah. Um, so we've got... This is also like the Black Hawk Down of 90s character actors. Oh, uh, fuck yeah. <laughs> everybody is in this. Uh, but th- you don't know any of them by name. That's the funny no. thing. I'm just like, that guy's from Boston Public. She was in Ed TV. He was in The Haunting. Uh, he is in a bunch of stuff. I don't know who he is. The guy with the teeth. Um, Hopum is in there. Uh, yep, from Upham. Sa- Corporal Upham. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that fuck? <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman. By the way, I read this on the trivia. Garth Brooks apparently turned down the role of Dusty. What? Uh, yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> if that's true, that's one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Could you imagine if Garth Brooks was in this movie? Oh, I mean, he would, he would be endearing because he would be trying so fucking hard. Because yeah, that man, that man, like you can say a lot of things about Garth Brooks. That man tries hard. Like oh, he he goes hard. <laughs> he's the number one selling artist in the world. Mm-hmm. The world. Yeah. No, he is a worker. Mm-hmm. So he would he would like put two hundred percent into his Dusty, and it would be a little cringy, but at the same time, it's like God, he tries so fucking hard. <laughs> Where are the bodies, Garth? I listened to a podcast, and they've got a running gag on there about how they think he's a psychopath, like he's just murdering people left and right. I think I think when you get to like that Tom Cruise level of like work life balance, I think you have to be a little crazy. He's be I think he's beyond Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, I believe it. Because didn't he do that thing where he assumed a different personality yeah, for a stretch did. of time uh, just for shits and giggles? Oh my gosh! I, I, um, he became like the he became like Nickelback or something for a, almost, for a decade. It's almost <laughs> impossible to find. He's so Garth Brooks is not on Spotify. You can only get him on think like Apple Music or Amazon Music or something like that. He still sells CDs in Walmart. That's also how he still makes money. Uh, Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines was his alter ego that he okay. did for like one album, and now it's like almost impossible to find that. <laughs> that's more. But, that's, but that's weird social experiment shit that only a ultra rich eccentric artist could could imagine doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so the the movie uh, the beginning part of this movie is pretty stupid. I usually skip right past it. Um, I hear people complain about this. Um, there's one specific podcast in, uh, that I'm thinking of that they hate when the Warner Brothers logo is it's not just the normal Warner Brothers logo and it's like got like whatever's happening in the movie happens to the Warner Brothers logo. So I like, like it. the the Christopher Nolan Batman movies were a, a sticking point there. 
Yeah, uh, I would say they, every single Harry Potter movie does it. It gets darker and darker each movie uh, because mm. yeah, it because it's getting more and more evil. But they do it here and it <laughs> it just fizzles away. Uh, I, I like it. I love it's it. Stupid, I love it. but it's, I like it. <laughs> it gives a shit. It's it gives a shit. It's it's fun. How um, am I gonna know what movie I'm watching if the titles don't get blown away? <laughs> Um, so this movie takes place uh, entirely in Oklahoma, and I think within like three counties, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we're, we're driving a lot in this movie. Yeah. Um, so Oklahoma, 1969, we got a little girl with her family. We've got a storm warning outside. Um, you can tell we're in like the farm, we're in farm country, uh, and you can tell by the dad. Uh, so there's a tornado coming. They... They get all their shit together. The, the fuzz box goes fuzzy. It gets all staticky. Like, we got to get to the cellar. Uh, so they get they get the family in there. Oh, the mom is from... Uh, uh, she's doing a, a, a Boston accent or a Massachusetts accent in uh, The Perfect Storm. She's getting hit on by a guy. Uh, yeah, I remember her mostly from uh, Jason Goes to Hell. I, um, I didn't see that one. She was... She was allowed to just go completely off the chain and just be like ultra loud diner lady. Oh, <laughs> she gets her fucking face caved in in that movie, and <laughs> it was actually funny. I saw an interview where they presented her with with the prop head, her her like corpse head mm. during the interview, and she's like, "Holy shit, that's amazing!" She's she's cool. well, she's a funny lady, and mm. yeah, I do remember her in the Perfect Storm also. Oh, but the dad is a mustache cop from Speed. <laughs> I don't remember. I, I don't I remember Sp- the character's name, but to me, he's Mustache Cop. <laughs> I saw Speed when I was like right when it came out, and I don't remember it. I might have to go See, back and watch it. Mustache Cop, if you're not familiar, and you should be, because my God, Mustache Cop. <laughs> um, his facial structure makes me think of Randy Travis, but slightly more handsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he is Sans Mustache in this movie for the couple of minutes of screen time he has, but. Yeah, a lot of the the uh, storytelling here is actually really efficient. Like mm-hmm. in these first couple minutes here, like I I was definitely putting this movie under a magnifying glass that was absolutely not warranted because <laughs> this is not that kind of movie. <laughs> this is a check your brain at the door kind of movie. Um, but yeah, a lot of little things here because this takes place in 1969. This sequence and a. Uh, Everything is communicated to us through a news report on the TV and just ambient sound of a storm coming. Uh, and then we get this really cool scene where uh, the little girl, uh, so this is Joe as a child, who will be very important later. Uh, she's in, she's asleep up in bed, it, like upstairs, I guess, um, with, with the cute dog. I don't know what breed, but of course there's a dog. It's Toto. It's uh, the same breed as Toto. There you go. Um, and then we get this really intense sequence where she's asleep and we can hear a storm outside and then her parents just like literally kick her door open and scoop her up from bed before she's even awake. And like just the the amount of energy in the direction of the scene, like the, the actors being very panicked and being like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. I could see how this sequence, and I do remember this sequence um, when I first saw it being very intense. Um, this scared me a little bit when I was a kid. Oh yeah, because because this is like nightmare material. It's like I could totally imagine being a child and having like the two people in your life that are supposed to be your like your your safety zone, like your parents, like seeing them panicked and you not even know what's going on. Like the way this sequence is shot and edited really does feel like it, they had a child in mind, like the child's perspective, even the presentation of the storm. 
it's like it's mostly obscured you don't actually see a tornado in this scene you just see darkness and lightning mm-hmm. and lots and lots of loud noises which in the theater must have been fucking unbearable <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is also where we get the first mention of a key phrase uh, f5 yes um, mustache cop uh, <laughs> when they're on the staircase like leaving the house mentions like yeah they say it's big they think it's an f5 did you get that folks at home <laughs> yeah kyle we run outside and uh where do we go from there yeah they have a storm cellar uh that they they get to by the way the parents should have been a little more calm like joe wake up oh, come on joe we gotta go outside you be calm he's like come on let's w- wake up we need to go outside just try to stay calm. Mom is not doing that. Um, <laughs> they haul ass. They haul ass out to the cellar. And you're right. This is, I think, aimed more for kids because this was very. This was a scary sequence when I was a kid. Um, they almost leave the fucking dog. Uh, the dog doesn't come, and she's like, "Toby, come on, come on, Toby." And he, the dog finally gets in. The dad like shuts the door, and the dog starts scratching on there. Dad lets him in, you know, begrudgingly. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they've got a big old, big old F five coming, and uh, it's the finger of God. Uh, that's that's how you describe it. Um, it's so fucking stupid. I always wonder what that man. I'm like, are you? Is God dragging his finger across the 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 ground, just like dragging it, or is he like poking? Why is poking he at f- it? <laughs> yeah, it makes no fucking sense. Um, but yeah, so the, the twister's coming up over the storm cellar, and I don't know if you're familiar with those look like, it's basically just a hole in the ground with a door, uh, just a door over it, so the dad, to keep the door shut, is just pulling on it <laughs> against a tornado. Now, if this door comes off, which it does, with him attached to it, um, they're gonna be totally fine. I don't know why he was doing this, just move further back into the cellar. <laughs> pretty dumb i think this was a darwin award here like this guy needed to be taken out he was honestly i'm surprised joe like made it as far as she did because this dude was a fucking idiot uh i mean this is what happens when mustache cop shaves his mustache he loses all of his invincibility (laughs) but this is i mean this is traumatizing because you see him go up and out uh as a kid you're like oh fuck like it does set it kind of it tries to set the stage and set the tone for like when we're in these situations, this is how scary it can be. But maybe maybe it worked on me as a kid, but as an adult, like I've seen this so many times it has no effect on me anymore. I think it's I think it's a well made sequence. It's not as effective as it could be. Um but I think actually the the lead up to him getting yanked out the door is what makes it work. Mm-hmm. Um because credit to mustache cop minus his mustache uh, his acting here is quite good um he has a, a few choice lines before he gets yanked where it's just things along the line of i can't hold it and dear god and i can't hold it anymore and meanwhile his family is like cloistered back in the corner just like watching watching this poor guy like know exactly what's coming and understand that it's like in his mind, it's like, I have to stay here because we'll all die. So he's making a sacrifice. But at the same time, he's not happy about it. <laughs> but he's making a decision here. And yeah, like in, in those just handful of lines we get from him, we get to see a very scared adult get killed in front of his, his very small daughter. Um, yeah. And it needs to be said, like, uh, from this sequence into, like, the very next couple of scenes in the movie, uh, 
damn, you get a really strong Jurassic Park vibe from this movie. <laughs> like, so we get a big Maybe loud. That's what it is. That's what it we is. get I a would... big noisy opener followed by science people making science look so fucking sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this is also like I've always always mentioned that I like I like the idea of working in like a spaceship or like um, in the abyss. Like I like work on that on the underground rig. I also would like to work for the National or the National Severe Storm Laboratory. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, just in there at 6 o'clock in the morning, pot of coffee. Like, oh, it's going to be a long day. Just just tapping away at the computer. Like, give me that thing. I just fact, I just printed that off. No, no, no. I need that now. I don't know. It seems like a fun a fun atmosphere to work in. But the, uh, it's, I like the, we, we they show the destruction afterwards. And then we go to, like, a satellite view. Oh, quote no. unquote. Oh <laughs> no! Unquote satellite view <laughs> of of the Earth, and it's like present day, and it's like <sighs> fucking ground zero for the biggest storm day in history. Um, we get like a it is it the worst uh, Earth shot from space you've ever seen? No, um, the worst. Well, the worst satellite shot, um, in my opinion, that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Under Siege Two, Dark oh. Territory. Um, they have a spider-shaped satellite that Steven Seagal has to blow up at the end of that movie. Um, the, every time we cut back to it, it's like, dude, there are five polygons in that whole model. <laughs> like, like, it's like, you ever played Goldeneye? Yeah, that whole game looked better than that satellite. <laughs> mm. Cue um, the music after this. Um, fuck yes. <laughs> there's a lady just drinking tea. She's like, oh, it's going to be a long day. There's a lot of twisters today. And then we cut into the music. The score. Um is this an original score? Because they definitely throw in some Oklahoma in here. Uh, this score is a is a really fascinating one in how it's in how it's uh, compiled. Uh, so Mark Mancina did the score for this movie, which makes sense. He also did Speed and Speed Two uh, and Bad Boys. Um, I actually really like him as a composer. In fact, um, I attribute a lot of my taste in music to the score from Speed. <laughs> Because I, I fucking love that movie, and the score for that movie is very unique. Um, because it sounds almost like a fucking video game at times. Where it's overly energetic, to the point of being embarrassing. <laughs> this is in overly a, in, energetic to where it I, is. I think that we're watching like a movie from, like a almost like a western or some kind of like 50s movie. Yeah, no, it's, it, it uh, makes itself known too strongly. Like, it makes itself apparent in the movie it's it's a whole character in the movie and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't um i mean that that sums up this whole movie in a lot of ways but um the score is funny because there's a lot of uh the soundtrack for this movie um makes up a lot of the score actually because like you said there's a sequence where people are singing the musical oklahoma uh there's a lot of licensed music i think eric clapton makes an early appearance in the movie big time like yeah it actually oh, got, footage of him. <laughs> we've got uh, Deep Purple, Child in Time, which I love that song, by the way. Um, there is there's a soundtrack. We've got um, Sammy Hagar, Van Halen track later on that was written for this for this movie. Yeah, Van Hagar. Van Hagar. <laughs> no, uh, like th- this movie. Um, we forgot I think to it's the an example, was, by the way. Oh, yeah, we didn't do a plot summary. Uh, The fucking movie's called Twister. I I feel like you've seen it, but uh, yeah. So Bill Paxton, (laughs) Bill Paxton's seeking out his ex-wife to get the divorce papers because he's going to marry the very adorable uh, Jamie Gertz. Um, She's the lady that wouldn't spare, she wouldn't spare a square. Um, Yep. Seinfeld. (laughs) 
<laughs> She's also married to a billionaire now. Um, oh, shit. So they're gonna go get these divorce papers. Well, it turns out that his old storm chasing crew—he's uh, gonna be—he's a—he's a weatherman—and his old storm chasing crew have finally put together his design for an instrument that would um, observe a tornado inside and actually see how it works. And he gets roped into helping them out, and um, it finally happens at the end when Carrie Elwes is here. Elways is here as well. <laughs> oh yeah, he's here too. <laughs> oh, the boss from Fight Club. Uh, the the Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, everybody's in here. <laughs> yeah, I, like this is this is why I call this movie a, a warm blanket of nostalgia in a lot of ways because, like you said, nearly every person who has speaking lines in this movie and some who don't uh, is is a that guy or a that gal where it's like I have no idea what their name is but I have seen them in some shit and I'm happy to see them. <laughs> the one there's one guy. He had the very dark eyebrows. He was the little guy in the diner who's talking. He only has the one scene. But he is in um, old school, but he's in Mad Men. And he plays like an old comedian in Mad Men. He's great on Mad Men. Actually, there's no bad performances on Mad Men. But he, I'm glad that he got a nice little reoccurring character for a bit on there. Yeah, I think he might be a writer or something. Um, gotcha. I've seen him in many other movies, though. Um, but yeah, the last note about the... the the score and the soundtrack about the movie I wanted to throw out there is just I feel it's a a sign of the times because I think I want to say like starting in the 80s and just going forward through the 90s and even the early 2000s um, having having a lot of uh, promotional synergy like having a big song to go with your movie was kind of like a thing that you in order to get these big movies off the ground you needed to have some sort of promotional tie-in yeah and you know that's how you get things like macy gray popping up in spider-man and stuff mm-hmm. it's like you know sony happens to be a fucking music label it's like well you know like yeah. hey macy you want to be in spider-man <laughs> it's, <Wow>. like, <laughs> it's like you guys can help each other out it's like hey nickelback you want to be in spider-man it's like, Fuck yes! <laughs> you guys are gonna be relevant from 10 years from now you guys want to be in this movie <laughs> you're gonna do a song with the, for this movie god um but yeah, uh, when we when we finally get to where we're going, so Oklahoma, um, holy shit! The 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 first shot of the Americana landscape is breathtaking. It's this amazing tracking shot that I don't know if it's via a chopper or a it truck is. with a crane so on it. There's a couple of shots in here, and I believe this is probably one of them. There's the one in particular on the bridge. They did was they have um, it's a helicopter coming over, and they're they're going over the bridge they did was is they had the helicopter coming over but they had the cars drive really slow across the bridge and then they just sped up the footage to make it to make it work so they might be doing the same thing here actually uh regardless of how it was accomplished i'm not sure if the the crop duster that blows by just to make things extra fanciful and beautiful uh i'm not sure if that was cgi some of the smoke looked a little manufactured but possible it's just this shot that comes Basically, we, we zoom into a truck that's speeding down a dirt road, and it's a big red truck with Bill Paxton and uh, Jamie Gertz, you said. Um, and this crop duster zips by in the background behind them, and then this fucking cowboy music is playing. It sounds like it sounds like we're about to go to a, a rodeo or a shootout at the OK Corral or something. Um, but just the, the composition of the shot is really awesome. And we, we zoom in to the point that we get into the car almost, where we can clearly see the two actors in the vehicle as it's speeding down the road. 
I was just say cue the music because the music doesn't stop for about an hour. Uh, we are constantly oh, yeah. we constantly have music in the background, and it changes. It's a very noisy often. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but but yeah, we're driving to get divorce papers signed, and we uh we have a little conversation on the road here. Um, and this is where I think we cut to uh, Joe, who is played by Helen Hunt. Yeah. Um, the woman of the moment. <laughs> and exactly that moment. Didn't she I like Oscar her though. For something? I'm, I've never really cared. Um, was it uh, uh, Jack Nicholson? Uh, as good as it gets. Yeah. Was it yeah. that one? I guess so. No, that was a comedy. I. It kind of is. It's one of those dramedies where it's it's it gets serious from time to time, but it's mostly funny. Like Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Very okay. much so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, she's always been kind of everything i've seen her in she just doesn't seem to really want to be there like cast away it was just like eh, kind of don't really want to be here this movie is like eh. i don't know there's just something about the way she emotes like she doesn't emote really she she has that like guarded quality about her where mm-hmm. where there's there's a lot of uh awkward smiles and a lot of squints that's like that yeah. you're you're defending yourself so you're like you're being you're being curt or you're being you're being uh witty here in a moment where you should be vulnerable mm-hmm. and i think it was just like the culture of the time like you know the the 90s were an obnoxiously witty time <laughs> coffee talk was very in vogue yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like nobody was allowed to be 100 percent vulnerable everybody had to have a quip in their holster <laughs> it just seems um, like way more mature than she needs to be I thought she was endearing in this role. Um, I liked her and Bill Paxton's chemistry. Mm. Um, uh, poor Jamie Gertz gets the shit end of the stick. In yeah. fact, I, every, I feel like every couple paragraphs I wrote a note just saying like her character, jokingly I was saying her character is a piece of shit because because the movie keeps vis- like communicating to us that you're not supposed to like her. Yeah, there's no <laughs> reason not to like her. Yeah, you're not supposed to like her. And I was like, I don't have a problem with her. <laughs> she seems nice. She's a therapist, <laughs> and she's very sweet and understanding. Uh, and yeah, intuitive. But, but at every turn, this movie just tries to throw shit on her face and tell you, like, ew, she's terrible. <laughs> she's why would you Why would you like her? <laughs> her? Her accent and everything. She's just she's just cute as a button. I don't know why they I don't know her. about the hair. I don't know about that big hair. Yeah, it, I think it works for her. She it's it, it, it's too it's too stiff. I feel like if I like to quote George Costanza, if you put your hand in it, can you get it out? <laughs> like that is a concern. Yeah, but we get uh we get uh, a visual of Eric Clapton playing the playing the guitar and Dusty. We get to meet uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's got the uh, he's got. Uh, a big shagging wagon camper kind of thing and he's got speakers set up uh do you think that george miller uh took this idea for fairy road because he's got the dude playing the guitar just he's got his own they've got their own like speaker set because later on he's just like playing the music while they're driving down the road i wonder I, mean, if- I wouldn't be surprised if he put it down in his notebook and he was like you know what like 30 years from now, 20 years from now, I'm going to use that. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, I'm to, I don't know what it is. To, I'm to the age now that when I see a white dude playing the acoustic guitar, my dick just gets so soft. I mean, it's the worst. It's just a, a white dude. Oh, this white dude's going to play the acoustic guitar and sing. <laughs> just shut it down, dude. <laughs> Stop it. No one wants to hear you. My fucking, my, I remember my English teacher from high school came to our middle school 
and he was out there like telling us about theater. He's an English teacher and he did theater. He's telling us all about theater. When you get to high school, you can do theater. And then he brought out that fucking acoustic guitar. Now this is a guy that went to college in the Dave Matthews years. This is oh, no. this is white dude 101. Like we're about to get schooled in acoustic guitar playing. And he played that uh, I Want to Get Lost in Your Rock and Roll song. Oh, oh, I hate it so much. That and then Bye Bye Miss American Pie. But this right here, this song is just right in there with it. I'm like, oh, stop it. Uh, Shut your, it down. Your teacher failed. He should have done Lesbian Seagull. <laughs> <laughs> That's the go-to. If you want to get the kids on board with what you're laying down, oh, they were Lesbian lo- Seagull. They loved what he was putting down, dude. They Everybody started <laughs> singing it. I'm like, you guys are out of your fucking minds. But yeah, um, we get Philip Seymour Hoffman in one of his... Earlier, I'd say earlier roles. I remember, was The Big Lebowski before or after this? I don't actually know. I, I want to say it was around the same time. Around the same time. He looks skinnier in The Big Lebowski, though. But yeah. it might have been his hair. Uh, they also had him in a suit. It might have just been a little more slimming. But, um, yeah, this is... Well, he's he's also a very talented actor, and, you know, posture makes a big difference. That's true. Because he... So what is his... <laughs> So we have a, well, I'll get to it, but so we have this group of scientists, quote unquote, um, or what do you say? We got a team of about eight people all together, Dusty, sure. Helen Hunt, um, the the guy and the girl in the station wagon, Preacher, Teeth Guy, Alan Ruck, and uh, Hop'em. So we have eight people roughly. I think this is all that I saw. Um, so we kind of, we, we meet all of them, but what is what does Dusty do? He doesn't look like an academic, but he's wearing an OU hat. Hmm. You know, I I think they're all supposed to be from the same like lab, I think was the, the word that Bill Paxton used later in reference to Carrie Elwes' character. Gotcha. So I, I'm guessing they all went to school or did some sort of project together in the past. But yeah, Dusty, as a person of science does not seem legit (laughs) maybe maybe he's a facilitator like he's a logistics coordinator or something i I don't know about that either man uh yeah he does does have a very large van though he's a big van he seems handy so one of the things my girlfriend's a uh, a research scientist so a lot of times um for for her specific her specific field they have to come up with their own instruments they have to create their own ways to measure things so he might be that element because he is kind of the front runner of making the propellers later for the uh, for the for the Dorothy things. Um, so, are we assuming that Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are both PhDs or some kind of? Uh... I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Okay, um, we can assume that. And then I think Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck is kind of doing the logistics. Like he's got all the maps. Like yeah. he's the the top topographer. I would I would yeah. say a- Alan Ruck being a. What's his face from Ferris Bueller's yeah, Day Off, and uh, also uh, Speed. Um, hmm. So the connections, revolutions. I liked him on uh, Spin City. I want to go back and watch that show. Oh, that was a great show. Barry Boswick, I, Richard Karn, uh, Michael J. And then I remember Charlie Sheen came on there at one point. But yeah, Alan Ruck was. He, like he wasn't guy. bad. Same with Heather Locklear. She was oh, yeah, not I bad. She was on there too. No, I I watched that sh- that and fucking Becker. I watched it in college all the fucking time. I never watched Becker. <laughs> Fucking Becker. <laughs> like, I watched that. Oh yeah, and Yes, Dear. Those need, were the three shows. I need to. I need. I want to watch Cheers and Frasier, but I want to find Spin City. I think I need. To, that's one I need to go back to. 
No, I really enjoyed that show. And Alan Ruck was, I mean, playing against type mm-hmm. quite capably. Like, like I hadn't seen him do anything like that before, but damn, he was great. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, this is where we meet the Scooby Squad. Yeah. And, uh, I th- what Bill Paxton rolls up, and the first thing out of Dusty's mouth is extreme. <laughs> By the way, the story behind that nickname is not good. Uh, no, it's, it's terrible. Really stupid. Um, they call him the Extreme because he's extreme. Um, he kind of just he uh, he meets Dusty. He's like, "Hi, this is uh, Melissa." Oh, manly handshake and Zeus. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't know. He he's Jack Blacking before Jack Black was Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Like he's oh man, so that was the thing. I, somebody pointed out like he's just being Jack Black in Along Came Polly, but now I'm like no 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 no. Jack Black is doing Philip Seymour Hoffman from Twister because Philip Seymour Hoffman. This was first. This was before we knew who Jack Black was. Yeah, this was before Jack Black even got his arm blown off by Bruce Willis in the Jackal <laughs> or Cable Guy. This was this was when Jack Black was doing like. What video game commercials and the never ending story too. He was doing, <laughs> he was still doing Tenacious D. Like that was they make a cameo in Biodome actually. He and Kyle yeah, I remember Gass. you telling me that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he gets to he introduces her to Dusty and he's just like leaves her there with him. He's like, why don't you explain to her why you are the way you are? <laughs> Which is a weird <laughs> thing to say to somebody. But he he sees like. I can't think of the dude, the curly-haired dude, but he ends up dating a student in Boston Public, but that's where I, I remember him I, from. I'm sorry, like, all apologies to this guy and Mr. Giamatti, but I think of them as, like, bro- mm-hmm. like brothers or, like, Cousins, him yeah. Him as the lesser Giamatti, like, both in terms of mass and appeal. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he just kind of passes by him. And then he meets Joe. She's doing some work but that's sparking... Uh, up on the up on the van, they have a van, uh, an actual sh- uh, Shaggy and Scooby van, the Mystery Machine. Mm. She's just doing some work up there, and then they have an awkward uh, uh, an awkward meeting. Yeah, uh, so Joe uh, and Bill uh, obviously have a history, as he is trying to get her to sign some divorce papers, and upon their Upon their coming together, there's that beat that, you know, it's kind of a traditional thing in, like, a relationship drama where there'll be, like, that weird, awkward silence for a second where it's like, damn, I'm happy to see you, but I'm not sure I'm ready to let you know that. (laughs) I don't think that's appropriate. But uh, Joe, uh, for the most part, is, like, trying to flirt, um, and then Bill kind of cuts her off. He's very curt about it. He's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm getting married. Mm -hmm. Um, And this whole exchange is it feels very organic um all credit to the cinematography um the camera is in constant motion here uh, it feels very lively and it, it it fits the tone because of the personalities here are all very big um i don't know what the fuck it was about the 90s and the 2000s and quirky science teams but you have this you have godzilla even fucking like hollow man which That's i think about had to say the- hollow man had the little Giamatti guy in it. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I don't know what it was, but you always had these like quirky little science team people where it's like, I don't know if personalities (laughs) tend tend to go hand in hand with science teams, but... And also Elizabeth Shue was a former sex mate of Kevin Bacon, and then she was um, hooking up with... um, Thanos? Yeah, Thanos. (laughs) Josh Brolin. So she was just working her way through there. Um, 
I mean, she would have gotten to mini Giamatti eventually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Josh Brolin dumped her and she was super drunk and he was consoling her, that was the only way that was going to happen. I mean, mini Giamatti is no one's first choice. And you would take you would take Giamatti Prime over the mini one. <laughs> unless you're a high school, unless you're a high school student in Boston Public. Oh. Um, but there's a neat little beat here where uh, I th- maybe I read this wrong. But uh, it looked like Joe like ducks behind her truck to grab the divorce papers, and she takes her ring off her her hand. She takes her class ring off and puts it over her wedding ring. Yeah, she's like, oh, I should probably, uh, you know, respect his respect his boundaries. So what I can gather here is that they were married, and the relationship is kind of on the fritz now, or they're getting a divorce because she's, uh, I guess, maybe too obsessed, and so much so that she's, like kind of put him on the back burner as a partner like it's just she's she's too busy with her work and i guess that's not working out for him but she still wants to be with him clearly and i think vice versa um maybe we need to have like a good conversation about this and it seems like they just they're never, not good at that yeah that's <laughs> the problem they eventually do have the conversation um, no these these people are are action scientists not normal mm-hmm. methodical scientists <laughs> she finds out. She's like, "Yeah, I'm getting married. She's here. She's with Dusty." She's like, "You left her with Dusty? <laughs> oh God!" <laughs> and Dusty's explaining the suck zone. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing these goofy ass goggles. I love her. I love Jamie Gertz's face when he says that. She just stops mid sip of her Hawaiian punch and the crazy straw. Just oh no, where's this going? <laughs> Yeah, I also like that if you pay attention, they're like in the background of a couple shots when Bill Paxton is talking to Helen Hunt, and mm-hmm. he's like holding her hand, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's walking her through the whole camp, and he's holding her hand like they're on a date or something. Yeah, it's it's adorable. Oh, I forgot uh, he yeah. was in Boogie Nights around like like two years before, or like the year before. Boogie Nights was just was like ninety five, wasn't it? 96. I don't I don't know the year, but that sounds right, if you ask Bo- me. Boogie Nights was just right right there. I mean, great-ass movie, and he yeah. was great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he's just a fantastic actor. I really do need to take a deep dive into his filmography. Well, we're going to cover at least one of his films next month. Yeah, we really ought to. That, that seems like a good opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, this is where it comes to light that Bill is going to be a, a Witherman. Um, and he gets teased a little bit for it. Um, what's yeah, funny about the way, <laughs> though, well, what's interesting about it and all credit to Bill Paxton, uh, who also was a very great actor who's no longer with us. Um, he, uh, the way he, the way he brings us to light that he's uncomfortable with this. Um, nobody teases him about it. Like, like Helen Hunt just kind of like repeats the word back to him. Like, Oh, a weatherman. And he immediately like gets very defensive, and it's like that's it's like ah, you just told me a lot about how you feel about that <laughs> by me not even saying anything. You flipped your shit. <laughs> he has to so, work for he has to be on camera for about oh four minutes, uh, Monday through Friday, maybe every day, and then work in an office and make good money, like yeah. Really and good he gets money. to make a living wage and come home to a, a wife a wife that loves him who also makes decent money being a therapist who's understanding and emotionally intelligent yeah (laughs) it's like huh not the worst life huh bill loser (laughs) um but yeah i forget when it comes up but basically uh what you said about joe seems to be true where she was too obsessed with her work however bill was the one who walked out on her yeah 
Yeah. Um, probably because of that. Yeah. Um, but this is where we get to meet. Uh, this is where we get to meet Dorothy. But yeah. before that, uh, my first note about uh, Jamie Gertz being portrayed as an asshole. It's like, oh, she's a tool because she takes phone calls. <laughs> like, how dare she? Oh, don't worry, oh my 90s. God. You have no idea what's coming. You have no <laughs> clue what's about to come with the cell phones. But yeah, the the way that sequence is shot and like the way she has an aside there, the, it's very specifically meant to make you start like disliking her in some way. Mm. It's like, oh, oh, how dare she take that phone call? <laughs> um, but yeah, we meet Dorothy. And what is Dorothy, Kyle? Dorothy is a fucking a big tub full of little plastic <laughs> balls. Uh, that have a little wire on the tip of them. And it's supposed to be some kind of sensor that when it theoretically goes up into the twister, it's going to give them an idea of how it works. The goal being to understand the tornado and to give people a better um, a better warning. Because right now she says it's like three minutes before they know if there's going to be a tornado. And she's like, it could be this could give us up to 15 minutes. And I'm like, even as a kid, I'm like, no, they give you a pretty good warning. Uh, they give you plenty of time. Like, the sirens go off a good 10 to 15 minutes before anything's going to happen, if it even does happen. Uh, you can pretty much tell if a tornado's about to happen. And th- that's th- kind of one of the things that's stupid now that as an adult I watch. So, Bill Paxton's, like, got these instincts. Uh, like, these Native American instincts. <laughs> Um, they need to have a drum in the background or like a flute whenever he whenever his spider sense kicks in (laughs) he (laughs) exactly uh he he's able to pick up he's like the sky's going green i think we got a tornado coming as a kid i knew this i'm like yeah we totally know this in in the spring uh this is typically when it happens is like uh is in the middle of spring when the the weather's changing quite a bit if it's warm outside it gets really cloudy, and it drops like 10 or 15 degrees noticeably, where you're like, ooh, it's chilly out here. And you see the sky getting kind of dark and a little bit of a greenish tint to it, and you are like, oh, man, there's probably a storm coming. You go and check the news, and like, there's a tornado watch. You're like, oh, okay, there's a tornado warning, or there's hail. If all those things plus hail, you're like, we need to get in the basement because something's coming. That's pretty standard. That's that's common knowledge for people that live in these areas. So the fact that they're like, it's three minutes, it's not enough time, we need 15 minutes. Wait, we already had that. Don't. It's not the premise. This is this is a movie uh, probably written by somebody who has, that understands the jargon, but doesn't realize that we already know when a tornado's coming. So. Well, yeah, and it's a, it's a funny little quirk in the screenplay where, um, not to make light of, of people's tragedies because there certainly are tornado deaths and whatnot but yeah. like statistically speaking pretty low numbers from yeah. year to year um but the way the dialogue works in this movie they make it sound like this is a fucking epidemic yeah. we need to get we need to deport these goddamn tornadoes they're taking our jobs <laughs> they're taking our jobs well i think because of the well i wanted to talk about her trauma as a child if i saw my dad sucked out of a storm cellar by a tornado i wouldn't be chasing tornadoes i, I would have a crippling fear of tornadoes i would probably move to a place where there are no tornadoes yeah she's chasing them like a crazy person mm-hmm. um putting herself in harm's way a couple a couple yeah, times she has a couple movie. of outbursts here that's like bill maybe stay maybe stay with melissa 
Yeah, <laughs> she seems like the safer bet. And ask Melissa if she has a uh, like a recommendation for a therapist. She yeah, can talk to. <laughs> she needs to talk to somebody. Um, you know, maybe Joe. Maybe Joe doesn't need a husband right now. She needs like a therapist. <laughs> yeah, but the, Bill's intuition, his ability to, his instincts to to tell what it, to one sense one is stupid, but also he has the ability to sense what it's going to do, which is I think impossible uh pretty sure it's impossible (laughs) pretty sure it's impossible (laughs) it's an extreme weather event it has (laughs) it's not predictable at least from what i understand Uh, uh in a in a 2020 summer blockbuster um for international audiences the the end of this movie would instead be bill paxton turning into a tornado man and fighting the f5 and winning (laughs) <laughs> because goddamn it we need spectacle and surviving a tornado just doesn't just doesn't do it for people anymore <laughs> well dorothy, um, but yeah dorothy's bill Bill's designed design. dorothy yeah. yeah bill designed dorothy joe built it though and now he's like as soon as the name dorothy comes up in conversation like he's into it <laughs> yeah. like he is on board with whatever they want him to do because i uh, his whole arc is basically like he's he's rediscovering himself like Mm -hmm. the the whole idea is that like (laughs) that 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 jamie gertz lady she tamed the beast and now the beast is back (laughs) and he's better for it (laughs) it seems like that helen hunt was the the cause or joe was the cause of him being a dick or being angry because they they seem to not go well together at this point i mean what's really funny is that same director jan de bont speed relationships based on extreme circumstances never really work out <laughs> it's like <laughs> and yeah, sure enough in speed 2 we couldn't afford keanu but we also wrote him out of the screenplay because we couldn't afford him <laughs> so one i actually just watched uh, godzilla 1954 and uh one of the things we've talked about with uh, monster movies is the the lead up to the monster, which is a lot of fun. It's really it's really great in Godzilla 1954. Um, yeah. But I realized there's something else that I like in disaster movies, and that is um, we have got to get going. So this the the <laughs> one lady from Ed TV comes up, and I didn't realize I had to like st- I paused and took down notes of all the the jargon that was used in here, but because I never understood what this lady says, but I, I wrote it down. It says Joe, we got major action. NSSL says the co- the cap is breaking, towers going up thirty miles up the dry line. What the fuck does that mean? Like, <laughs> I, well, you know, no Kyle, clue. there was a show called Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> and Deep Space Nine that were kind of a thing at the time, mm. and a certain type of person that often ends up writing movies but not making them <laughs> tends to be into that kind of stuff. Forgot he was uncredited on this. Yeah, Michael Crichton was writer and executive producer, Steven Spielberg. So this had everything backing it. And Joss Whedon came in and did some writing. Well, that explains the wittiness. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that always bothers me with fucking Joss Whedon. Mm, I don't Everybody, like Everybody's the clever one. It's like, no, you need to have some stupid people on the team, too. Because, you know, stupid. most people, like 90% of people, aren't that articulate. God damn it. <laughs> uh, and then the one dude says, it's fatty time. Yeah. What, what does that mean? I think it just means big tornado. That's like his catchphrase throughout the entire movie. You're talking about Flat Top. Right? Yeah. Uh, the dude from The Haunting. Yeah. And the guy from the, the opening minutes of The Haunting. <laughs> plays the uh, plays the piano in Eyes Wide Shut at the orgy. Orgy. Um, 
but yeah, yeah he's constantly saying fatty throughout the whole movie that's like his go-to it's but like this... it's like the it's like the kids these days in the word thick like oh, the, the kids can't get they can't get enough of the word thick like <laughs> they use it inappropriately it fucking bothers me it's like god damn it it has a specific application you are misusing that word <laughs> yeah, but, but we're we're getting going. This is the fun yeah. part. Like everybody's Science like, hustling action. to get going. Um, they actually like. I didn't know you were back. He's like, I'm not back. And then Alan Rutt gives him a, Hey, glad you're back, Bill. He's like, I'm not back. Uh, Joe did not sign the divorce papers or hand them back to him. So they're like, Shit, we got to chase after him and get these papers. And that's like, that's the that's the bump off the key that gets Bill Paxton into the fucking shit. Yeah, Bill has to pretend he's upset oh gosh darn it i i guess we'll have to pile into the truck and drive real fucking fast i hate this (laughs) uh yeah they're they're following behind um he's they all they all have cb radios and he's got one in his truck um do you think it's a new truck i think he was gonna get back into this regardless because why did you need that cb you know that your old storm chasing crew has it. You did this on hmm. purpose. Interesting. This is a sinister turn. <laughs> like Bill planned it the whole time. Yeah, this is where we get. Is this where we get Deep Purple, or is it later when we get Deep Purple? You know, there's actually one or two songs in this movie that I actually would like to know what they were. Um, there's one that it just turns into fucking me- mega death out of nowhere. <laughs> it's right before the hail. What is it? It's right before the hail. Um, oh, okay. I don't. I don't know what the song is, but I was kind of fucking digging it. <laughs> I think that um, might have been the. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, uh, I had him written down. Sorry. Um, mm. I'll 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 find it when we get to it. But yeah, um, I think the child in time is when they go off for the. That's after the diner. That's the really good one. The. Yeah. That's yeah, that was a good one. Um, but yeah, when we're driving, um, needs to be said, there are a shit ton of convoys in this movie, mm-hmm. all of which are shot in a very sexy manner, not quite Michael Bay levels of sexiness. Um, but it needs to be said, Jan de Bont, I believe, is primarily a cinematographer, more so than a film director. So he knows how to fucking compose a shot. And not only that, the man who gave us speed knows how to frame vehicles. And he certainly does in this movie, because that's the majority of what we're looking at for you know, most of the lead-up scenes to the tornado action. Um, but yeah, we're in a convoy, and then all of a sudden the music turns sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so up comes a, a whole line of black vans, and leading them is uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, <laughs> they just kind of looking at each other. Jonas, son of a bitch. Um, he's in it for the money, not, not the, the science. He's got some corporate <laughs> sponsors. And... It's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever heard. That is my, his one sponsor? of my very favorite lines of this whole movie. He's in it for the money, not the science. He's got no instincts, and he doesn't have Dorothy. Put a pin in that. Oh my god, this this convoy of black vehicles, black vans primarily, so the least threatening vehicle you can imagine. They're all bl- painted black, and I couldn't help but think of the fucking Mighty Ducks. Now it's like, how can we most efficiently communicate to the viewer that these are the bad guys? It's like, well, let's have the mighty gu- let's have the mighty ducks go up against the team that are twice their size and all dressed in black. And then for the sequel, let's have Team Iceland be dressed in black and be twice as big. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I don't know how the fuck Cariel was got this role. <laughs> I mean, what was he doing at the time? I don't know. <laughs> I think he like, was liar, I know, liar. 
He was on one of those like fact or fiction. Remember what's his face? Uh, oh, Franks. Yeah, he <laughs> did that Frakes. fact or fiction show. Uh, Carrie Elwes played a bad guy on one of those episodes, and he was really good. It was pretty cool. Um, I think Brian Dennehy was the other guy. It was it was him and Brian oh. Dennehy. I like Brian uh, Dennehy. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, yeah, he outlived. Uh, I I still can't believe. It. I remember when Chris Farley died, and I saw him doing a Zantac seventy five commercial. I'm like, oh man, he outlived that dude. Brian Dennehy, he's still alive. Yeah, like, yeah. He's Tommy's dad going. lives. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, yeah, this is a false alarm. Um, but Bill ends up. I mean, they've got these guys are assholes, by the way. Like they've got this whole convoy, and they run him off the road, and yeah. he ends up running into some like pipes or something, and pops a tire. Next shot is them at a, like a gas station. How the fuck does he not know how to change a tire? He's, he goes to the service station to get his tire changed. Yeah, I don't know what was up with that. It's like, Bill, come on, you know how to do that. But you maybe, know, maybe he didn't have a jack. I'll give him that much. Like maybe he just didn't have a jack in the truck. But could it, be. But logistically, the the point of that is that we need to get them to the same diner. Yeah. That Jonas is at. I just think it was um, not a good way to. Get it, them. Yeah, it it takes a little away from his man card. Yeah. But it's fucking Bill Paxton. <laughs> like, you give him some credit. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a, a heated exchange here where uh, Jonas has a crowd, and gosh darn it, he is trying his damnedest to cover that accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unlike some other Robin Hoods, I can speak with an English accent. <laughs> I still think the dude from uh, the oh, what was that movie we just did? Fucked up shit month. Uh, oh, Mortal Kombat. No. The uh, high, uh, highway to hell. The guy in there. That was the worst I've ever heard. Oh, the Irish guy. Yeah, yeah. That was. That I was mean, the worst. Carrie Elwes in Liar Liar always cracks me up he'll because yeah, his he's he is so good in that role, but him covering his accent at the same time makes it twice as good. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's trying to do some sort of just amorphous southern esque something or other. It's, it's a, you know, it's the Brian it's Cox pro- thing. Where it's it, appropriate here. I'll give it to him because we're in an area where someone with an accent would live. It's it's not embarrassing. It's just you. I'm sorry. I've seen so many movies. You know, you you know what he sounds like. You know he's acting. <laughs> it's like I know what you're doing, Carrie, and you don't sound like that. You're better Christ, than that. Is Christian Bale <laughs> the best? Because I didn't know he was British until well, I heard he cheated it. a little bit. Because I remember I remember this distinctly when he was doing. Uh, like press. the press tour for batman begins he he was bruce wayne like mm-hmm. he covered his accent in interviews and at the time he wasn't a household name and people were a little thrown by that uh, he's very good at it <laughs> say, american psycho he does not he's screaming i think that's when it slips up is when people are yelling um and he doesn't slip up at all in that no he's great but uh yeah jonas has a little crowd here and he has something called the dot three that seems to be a bastardized like ripoff of the dorothy um, and Bill runs up to him and uh, does like a kid at, does like a kid's dad at a little league game <laughs> and bops his hat off. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy, you took her, you damn thief. He's got a good <laughs> swing on this. I'm like, dude, you could have laid him out with this. Hit. I thought he was gonna, but no, he just went for the hat. Like he Go went for f- the brim of the hat. I I say he's got enough power, and Carrie Elwes is not a fighter. I can tell he just doesn't have that. Uh, Bill Paxton's got that country boy like toughness to him, and Carrie oh yeah, Elvis he can not. he can wrestle. <laughs> we need to call him by his name, Jonas. Sorry, yeah. uh, uh, 
Jonas, uh, he knocks his head off. I'm like, dude, you could get a good like open hand, open palm slap on somebody. That that hurts. It sends a message, and I don't think it counts as a. It might be assault. I'm not sure, but I'm it, sure it is. It um, it's and, very and, gray. And there was a whole crowd in front of him <laughs> with a with a news camera. Sorry. Yeah. Um. But I don't know what it is. Like maybe this is me misremembering things. But for some reason, I feel like white guys grabbing each other by the collars and then being separated by a crowd of people was just everywhere in the 90s. Like mm-hmm. It was just a scene that you saw played out so many times. And they always go for the collar. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what it is about collars, but they always reach for it. And they stretch each other's fucking shirts out. And it's like, God damn it, the neckline is ruined. I can't get that back. <laughs> no, you got to go hockey style. You got to pull the jersey yeah. over your head and just start pummeling them. No, that that's how things are done. But for some yeah. reason in the 90s, it was always you grab hold of the collar and you just shake each other. And then the crowd separates you. That was, I think, Adam Sandler's greatest moment in, in like, in all of his movies. It was the funniest thing he ever did was when he laid out that guy on the golf course who kept talking shit. That was, I, you know, all credit to everyone involved in that sequence. The choreography of that was spectacular because it, it's it's like one clean motion. Yeah, <laughs> it's perfect. And he he like walks up to him and he's doing the thing where he's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I just couldn't get it. You know, bah. <laughs> Just the timing of it was fantastic. That's his best movie. Um, oh, the Wedding Singer. <laughs> Those are his two best movies. But anyway, so yeah, um, I, when I was watching this, I'm like, get some. Ah, oh, he's not gonna get him. And he uh, he get, he says something really catty to him. Like he stole his design. Basically, it's yeah. it's different. I don't think it's different enough. If if he had a patent on Dorothy, this is grounds for litigation because this is close enough to his design and what it's supposed to do. Uh, the difference is is they're uh, square. And I think that's how he's... That might be the loophole, but I don't think he has a patent on Dorothy. Um, but yeah, they have an exchange here. And I think that... I mean, they were former... I guess he used to run with this crew, or maybe they all worked together. And I guess maybe he just got fed up and he wanted to do his own thing, or maybe he was jealous of uh, Bill Paxton's instincts and wanted to do his own thing. But yeah, he's left, but he gives him a nice little caddy. Uh, I really like your weather reports. And Bill Paxton has that... Uh, do you remember Tom Hanks at the end of the Burbs, where his his neighbor is just like he, he just he just yells at him for something, and the guy just completely misses the point. He's like, "Are you, you saying I gotta like move or something?" And Tom Hanks just stares at him for a minute and just <laughs> runs right back at him <laughs> to beat him up. It's one of the funniest things. Um, but he has that moment, and uh, they kind of separate and carry. This is where we get some more uh, some more jargon. Um, uh, he comes up. Curious. I think this is where the accent is probably the worst is when he's talking to Joe in the diner. But he's yeah. just like, uh, by the way, Joe, I got reports of Mesos from Grand County all the way up to Logan. Uh, just letting you know. And I'm like, what the, f- what the fuck are Mesos? Like, what, what is that? Uh. Well, you know, the, the entire reason for that little, that very brief dialogue exchange, I think, is just to drive up his douche quotient. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just to remind the audience that you're not supposed to like Jonas. I know he's very handsome. I know he's very charming, but but you need to hate this man because some bad shit's gonna happen. He's easy to hate. He, he's yeah. he, he's very un, he can be very unlikable. Yeah, and he's he to to the credit of the filmmakers, he doesn't occupy a very large space in the film uh, because he doesn't need to. This mm-hmm. movie's about a natural disaster, not about something that's out to get you. It's about it's about science and action. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this is where we get uh, Bill uh, tapping into his spider sense. He plays with some dirt, um, and we cross-cut between him just looking at the sky and playing with dirt and uh, Joe explaining to Melissa that uh, 
Yeah, uh, he has spider sense. He, I, he, I, I, his, I guess you didn't know that. <laughs> Meg calls him a human barometer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Bill was uh, bitten by a radioactive spider. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess he didn't tell you that. He was bitten um, by a dirt devil when he was five. And he's just <laughs> been able to... You can always tell when a twister's coming. This is the this is the scene I was talking about where he's looking at this guy like, oh, it's going green. There's one coming. Yeah, no shit. Um, but yeah, the they're cutting between um, Melissa and Joe having a conversation. Um, I kind of like, I kind of like Helen Hunt's exchange with her here. It's it's kind of fun. Like uh, Melissa's really curious. She's like, that that man's after Billy. Why? And they're just having this conversation. And Helen Hunt's like, if you need to pee, you should probably go now because there's no places to go when we get on the road. Um, get some coffee, and then I don't know where she gets this insight from, but Melissa's like, "You're still in love with him, aren't you?" Just maybe from being uh, a therapist. It, it's a uh, again credit to the actors, just the the type of energy that the two of them present when they're around each other. Uh, there's an exuberance that you, basically both of their passions are ignited when they're talking about tornadoes and shit. Um, and that's a credit to the filmmaker too. Is that uh, this is a very energetic movie. Um, all the performances, like they take things that on on the page, like on the written page, probably sounded boring and dry as shit. Where it's just like, yep, we uh, we drive to the next spot, and uh, yep, there's a tornado. But all the dialogue exchanges, like everyone delivers their lines with a level of intensity and, and energy that it makes it feel like important shit's going down, and you should be excited that you're involved. Um, and I think just Melissa as an observer and us, the viewer, caught wind of the fact that, they, yeah, they kind of have a thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she gets a little bit confrontational here. And there's a, a funny little bit where uh, Joe doesn't have a response. So she's just she just pays for Melissa's yeah. stuff. And she's just like, yeah, we're together. Yep. <laughs> it's like, I mean, that's a good like, dodge. Like that. You just made this awkward. Yeah, it's like, well, uh, I guess I'll just pay and we can go. Um, then we get a an awkwardly... I don't. I don't think it's green screened. I think it's more of just like a composite of some sort, probably minus a green screen. But basically, the sky is made to look a lot stormier than it actually was when they filmed it. But it's just Bill Paxton and Philip Seymour Hoffman standing side by side, and it's like, why? Why is his hair really fuzzy? It's like, oh, because they cut him out of the frame digitally, <laughs> and it looks really weird. <laughs> well, Bill Paxton also said to Joe. Or uh, Bill says to Joe, he's like, one day, I'm giving you one day of my time to get this thing to fly. Because he yeah. hates Jonas so much. Yeah. So he's already yeah, so, committed. Yeah. Yeah, he, he dug himself a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then excitement, science action. Let's and the go. Music, the soundtrack kicks into high gear. And we, uh, we get a, a moment here where Bill takes Joe's keys, probably I'm not driving. thinking. Yeah. Like, oh, so you're ditching your wife. That's cool. And he, like, tells yeah. her to follow behind. And it's like, oh, yeah. shit. She has no That's idea. Kind of like, a... It's really <laughs> shitty. Like, we're going to be driving 80 miles an hour down country roads. Keep up. Like, dude, what a dick. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a dick move. <laughs> Poor Melissa. <laughs> 100% a dick move. Yeah. Um, but this is where we get, like, a series of moments where we cut to the interior of everyone's vehicles when we're on the road and everybody has their own personal soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like Dusty is blasting some piece of music. It's some deep sort purple. of rock track. Deep Purple. There you go. I like Deep Purple. Um, and then uh, Preacher, is it? Oh, I fucking my, hate him, yeah. Yeah, my least favorite character in the whole movie. Um, I was he, very upset like he didn't. <laughs> I, I was calling him Richard Dreyfus, like Hooper. Oh, okay. He, he looks like him. 
got the beard and long hair and the glasses. You know? He physically makes me angry when I see him or when he says yeah. anything. He really does. I was really upset he didn't eat it by the end of this movie. <laughs> decapitated him. Depacketated him. Depacketated that man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he gets the William Tell overture because he's a classy guy, apparently. And then a uh, haunting Oklahoma. guy and and a 90s gal. Um, I'm sorry, but just everything about her 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 facial features, her, her glasses, her hair combination, that woman belongs in a specific moment of time. <laughs> this and Ed TV are the only two things I've seen her in. Um, she looks, she could be, or she just looks like, uh, the gal who I thought was going to be the protagonist of Volcano. Remember Anne Heche's, uh, sidekick in the beginning portion of that movie? Yeah. Same, same short hair and glasses combo. Probably a different actress, just the silhouette looks the same to me. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, they're singing Oklahoma. And then, uh, this is where we get a, a chat between Joe and Bill and they're talking about Melissa um, and we get some we get some fun '90s dialogue here, where basically we're, we're doing like relationship banter here, where she's kind of teasing him and being like, "Oh, so you, you're you're going to marry this gal? Doesn't seem like you have much chemistry." Like she's not actually saying that, but that's what she's yeah. implying. And he's get he gets very defensive. <laughs> like, and, and then there's you know a funny bit where he shares that she's a therapist, and Helen Hunt just pauses and she's like. Yours? Oh, <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and uh, he almost kills them. <laughs> he runs them off the road because he gets heated and starts ranting about how much he loves Melissa, who he has some trouble remembering her name. By the way. With the, and, uh, Melissa, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a fun exchange of dialogue. It's it's too bouncy and fun to the point of being stupid, but it's, it's fun. Um, but yeah, they, they do not die. And then uh, we get our first tornado proper in the movie. Yeah. Do you like and, the uh, choir? The that's when they. Yeah. Actually, my my note here says choir kicks in. We yeah. see a tornado. Yeah. Good, it was a good it was effective as a child. Yeah. Yeah. No. It it tells you what the movie's doing, like what you're supposed to be feeling in this moment. Yeah. <laughs> and right in this moment, awe. You're supposed this, to be feeling awe. This would have been a lot of fun to see in the theater. I'm sure. Uh, but it's funny here because one of my notes here actually gets uh, justified like within two seconds of me writing it like i wrote jesus christ do we really need to drive so recklessly <laughs> and then two seconds later the movie actually explains itself where um the our heroes take a hard turn um and then jonas and his guys are in pursuit and they note the tire tracks on the mm -hmm. ground and it's like oh so yeah, did, we, yeah we did need to drive recklessly so the screenplay could justify jonas you know like following them um, um, how do they hear them arguing on the radio? Because there's no reason they should be able to hear them. I don't know. Maybe they just keep the channel open, but I thought radio doesn't... I don't think radio works do that, that way. way. <laughs> <laughs> it's radio magic in this movie, because it's, it's just like they're talking about them arguing. I think they're getting better. I think they're getting better at arguing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're going to try to get Dorothy off of this uh, tornado. They go off-road, actually. Uh, Joe's upset with him. Like, are you going to drive? And he's like, kicks it in. Titans are he gets belt. his he gets his dick checked and he overcompensates. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he he takes them into like a drainage ditch in a field and just completely wrecks the like just throws the truck right into this bridge. Uh, yeah, and they're trying to get it off. I don't know why they need to get it. I, I guess I understand they need to get it off the truck so they don't lose the truck too. But in this case, where if, you you have nowhere to take the truck at this point, so just let it take the whole thing i don't understand why they don't just turn it on and leave it on 
don't know why they don't just dump them out. Like, why does it need to do that? I don't understand. Yeah, why does it? Why does it have to come out of Dorothy? Why can't you just throw the balls on the floor and let that do it? Also, do they need to monitor it while it's happening? Is that I, the other thing? I think they record the data, but probably yeah. Okay. Well, we but this is '90s technology, so I don't. I'm not really sure. Uh, it's a bucket with balls in it. It's it's yeah. not terribly complicated. <laughs> yeah, I guess they can't get it off in time. Bill Pax is like, no, Joe, we can't. We got to go under this bridge. That'll keep us safe. Um, there, this thing comes through. There are like two by fours and rocks and concrete. There's a tractor thing. on top of the bridge that gets yanked effortlessly up into the heavens. Yeah, so if they're underneath this and this twister's going right by it, you're getting hit in the head by something. More than that, your skin is getting peeled off. <laughs> and I guess if it tries to suck you up, I guess the bridge is going to keep you from getting sucked up. And then you're just going to, yeah, you're going to be Alien 4. You're going to just get sucked right through the window. <laughs> oh my god, this is so much worse. <laughs> Dude, how is Keanu Reeves not in this movie? Think about him in, in, uh, as like the Bill Paxton role with somebody else. Sandra Bullock, you could have done Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves in this movie. I'm a weatherman. <laughs> I am happy. Do you have a problem with that? <laughs> Whoa, it's a tornado. He's in it for the money, not the science. Yeah. <laughs> in 90s Keanu Reeves in this, he'd have that way like, better. He'd have that like swagger. <laughs> and Sandra Bullock's annoying, annoying nasally voice. I'm like, yeah, this would have been perfect. They, they totally would have had the chemistry to do it. They totally could have. You could have swapped them out. It would have yeah. been fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is where Joe has a little outburst. Um, she shows some insanity here. Yeah. Uh, she tries to crawl out from under the bridge because she's screaming at the top of her lungs. I want to see it. Yeah. I want to see the tornado. It's like, it's right there. It's there. I can <laughs> like, see it. We can all see it. <laughs> we can see it just fine, Joe. And Bill has to, like, physically yank her under the bridge. Yeah. Um, and then, sure enough, their truck gets yanked up into the heavens, and... Uh, well, there's a fun comedy bit here where Helen Hunt exclaims, where's my truck? And then cut to Melissa on the road behind them, and then truck! <laughs> truck falls down in front Melissa. of her. Nearly kills Melissa. And she reacts accordingly. Yeah. Melissa reacts like an actual human being in this movie. Bill Paxton <laughs> does not. <laughs> no, he, he nearly he kills is. her. And he's like, oh shit, I forgot about my, my fiancé. <laughs> I forgot about my fiancé. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Dusty shows up, and he's pretty fucking funny. He's like, you just like, missed the truck. <laughs> that's intense. <laughs> and then I love when uh, Jonas and his crew are driving by, and he starts screaming at them, losers. <laughs> yeah. I feel like oh, he uh, a lot of to do a kiss. I feel like a lot of Dustyisms became Kyle-isms. Like, I feel like... I feel like you do some Dustyisms. Oh, I'm sure I do. It's just I'm nobody sure in the room knows it, mm-hmm. but it's like... Having seen this movie freshly in my mind, it's like I'm gonna pay attention next time we hang out. <laughs> he's giggling. Like, he's kind of Helen Hunt's going over, and he's just kind of laughing at her because it. This is something I would do too. I'm like, that's kind of funny. Like it destroyed your truck, but I guess you're Dorothy's alive. okay. Yeah, you're alive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is the the one where the truck's destroyed, and Helen Hunt's like, "So what kind of truck you got over there?" It's like, "Oh yeah, it's a Ford. We, uh, or it's leased under her name." And she's like got insurance <laughs> he's just like no you're not using the truck they're gonna use the truck uh so yeah we we have like dueling convoys going on here 
where again it's a lovely overhead tracking shot i think it was via helicopter where we get to see jonas and uh bill's crew like paralleling each other um really cool music here i really enjoyed it but um this is where we get to see uh that jonas has superior toys um, mm-hmm. He has like a battle van, basically. <laughs> like yeah. he has a Punisher battle van with like a satellite network, like wired into it, so they can contact the storm center and stuff and get leads. Um, and I had to give myself a pat on the fucking back here because I wrote in my in my notes here is that Jake fucking Busey? Is it? And sure enough, the la- like one of the last credits at the end of this movie, Jake Busey. No kidding, <laughs> never noticed him. You never even see his whole face. It's just the oh, side really? of his head, and he delivers a couple of lines of dialogue. Um, but that voice, I was like, that's Jake Busey. I know that voice. He's in another group of people. Um, uh, uh, God damn it. Enemy of the State. Uh, he's, one yeah. of the, he's one of those. Dudes. He's one of the douchiest looking ones. <laughs> like, they he all have Scott frosted Collin. tips. Like They Scott... all have frosted tips, but he has the buck teeth. Scott Conn, also, his neck is like an inch wider than his head in that movie. It's, it's mm-hmm. enormous. No, that movie, uh, the, the visual language of that movie was very effective because I hated each and every one of those leather-jacketed goons so I, much. I love that movie. That's one of the better Will Smith movies. It's a very good movie. I saw that in the theater when, I was, when it was brand new, and it held my attention. I was really into it. I've rewatched it. Even though it. It, it, it felt like something meant for older audiences, but damn, like the energy of it, it's it's very skillfully edited. Oh, it's a blast. Yeah. Um, but yeah. this is where uh, Bill drops back. So instead of like trying to outrun Jonas, he drops back because he uh, he taps into his spidey sense. It's a sidewinder. Uh... <laughs> yeah, they have so much jargon in this movie that I, I really hope this isn't legit because it's so cheesy. <laughs> Um, it sounds like straight out of G.I. Joe or something. Um, so, yeah, he, he dubs this tornado a sidewinder. And, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, Melissa is a tool because she took another phone call while yeah. they're driving. And this She's is doing her get... fucking job. This is what therapists have to do. Like, did you they not see what about Bob? Like, good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we get a... a, a comedic line here where bill has to explain that she's a she's a re- reproductive therapist because uh, yeah. she's talking about pregnancy and like standing on your head while trying to deliver a baby or something <laughs> something tornado, really weird the tornado that we're dealing with is about an f3 uh we find out uh yeah sidewinder is fucking stupid she did not marry your penis okay she didn't only marry your penis um <laughs> it's funny we have uh my my brother and i my our, a friend of our parents um uh one of the ladies one, one of the fr- friends of my parents she reminds me so much of this lady she's very she's just one of the prettiest ladies uh, she's one of the sweetest people I've ever met. Probably the sweetest person I've ever met in my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. She has the same accent. Like it's a, her. She is actually she has a little bit more of a draw. Uh, Nick, my brother, knows who I'm talking about. But she is. Um, she reminds me so much of her in this movie. I'm like, how can you be? That's who I'm thinking of when I'm like, how can you dislike this person? She's so sweet. Like how can you? How can you be mad? Well, you know what's really funny is uh, the actress that comes to mind when I think of. When, like this, the basic silhouette like of this character, Melissa. Um, I think of Andy McDowell. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like just you know a little bit of a southern twang. She always seems just kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Not not like like an outstanding personality, but just like oh, she's a sweet lady. <laughs> She'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. 
<laughs> um, but yeah, uh, basically, uh, we get a we get a bunch of radio chatter here, and this is where yeah. I think everybody kind of like gives themselves code code names and stuff, which. Again, you know, it's like we're trying to make science look really fucking sexy here, and that was definitely a thing in the '90s. And mm-hmm. I think we're 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 getting back to that in movies. We're yeah, just, we're maybe. we're trying to get back to that, like make make things that don't involve you know killing people look like <laughs> right. look like look like interesting jobs you could do, kind of. Because like you know, environmentalism and just the sciences in general got a big push in the '90s. Because like Captain Planet and Bill mm-hmm. Nye and all that. Bill business. Nye. Bill Nye was not Bill Nye. <laughs> Bill Nye, <laughs> Bill Nye Bill did, did Bill not Nye get a big push in the nineties. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we got some more jargon here. Okay, we've got sisters. We've got sis- <laughs> That's my favorite line from this movie. Is that we got sisters. <laughs> and it's there's so use stupid. of terms like battle zone and flanking in regards it, to the tornado. <laughs> it sounds like a train is stopping. That's what this sounds like. Well, what's really fascinating about that is uh, I told you off air that this is a candidate from one of those movies that is best viewed via VHS on a yes. CRT television yes, yes, yes. because the special effects, unfortunately, don't 100% hold up. There are some outstanding shots from time to time, but the majority of it is certainly dated and has a lot of wrinkles in it. Um, a lot of the stuff with the F5 at the very end of the movie looks stellar. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the stuff earlier, though, is kind of mm, not so great. Um, but the one thing you can't take away from it is the sound design. Uh, holy shit. Uh, the folks who did the sound design for this movie deserve quite a bit of praise because it's a very noisy film but it never feels overbearing um and just a lot of attention to detail went into it Mm -hmm. Um, and they they never do the trick where it's like why why did that windstorm growl at me (laughs) because it's it's, you know it's very tempting to like put doom sound effects over a fucking tornado or something but they never steep they never stoop to that level it sounds like ace ventura getting out of the rhino's ass <laughs> you know the part I'm talking you about. You know the part I'm talking about. When he's halfway out. <laughs> yeah, so we get the sisters, we get the stupid fucking cow, and uh we got cows and they end up um they end up in the middle of this bridge and they end up I guess because there's two, they don't get sucked up, they just kinda get rattled back and forth a little bit and they don't get a chance to get Dorothy out. But Bill and Joe uh, just came because they are super excited about this. And no, he he is inside her within seconds of getting out of the truck. Yeah, and Melissa's right there. It's <laughs> like, like pretty traumatized. Like she's like, I was not it's expecting that. It's like, is it normal to take your pants off after the tornado? <laughs> like, why were your pants off when the tornado came? Like, Bill, is that science? <laughs> Um, yeah. But this is where we get a a dustyism that I think I've seen you do. What is it? Food. <laughs> Food. Yes, I've done this. I I've definitely seen you do this. That one. <laughs> um, so yeah, they were super excited. And they're like, oh, somebody says something. She's like, what are you kidding? We've only gotten started. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, they're going to keep doing yeah, Melissa this. Melissa is a like, wreck, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's not okay. Okay. Like she she's, she's having like a panic attack. Um, but yeah, Alan Ruck is like, Somebody couldn't like help but notice how close we are to your aunt's house, and they're like, "She's like, nope." And they're like, "Well, we were pretty hungry. We'd like to go there." Like, no. And then Dusty just 
food. <laughs> it's pretty funny. We uh, red meat. We crave sustenance. We crave sustenance. Yeah. So they're yes. gonna go to to Aunt Meg's house uh, to get some uh, steak and eggs, which is pretty bitching that they just know that that's what she's gonna make um i love her earth mama house this is very much what i see my partner uh developing into as she gets older is having this kind of like art projects outside um probably doing pottery which my my girlfriend likes to do but yeah um aunt meg's house at wakita is that what they said yeah wakita yeah um i always like a good uh, it happens a lot in um true crime documentaries where we get like helicopter or drone views of towns and we get the water tower, like the aerial view of it. I always like that. And we get it a couple times in this movie. Makes me think of Joe dirt. <laughs> oh yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> makes me think of Joe dirt or a uh, Willy Wonka. Did you <laughs> so uh, Willy Wonka. Yeah. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, but I love uh, when they're stacking Melissa's plate, just her face. Yeah. Like, she's just, like, I was half expecting her to cut them off and be like, I'm a vegetarian or something mm-hmm. like that. Because she has the biggest steak, and Dusty just piles mashed potatoes and, and gravy on her plate, and the whole time she's just like, oh my god, what is this? She's probably not hungry. She had, like, a near-death, ex- she went through a near-death experience, basically. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be very hungry right after that. Yeah, she probably still got the adrenaline in her bloodstream, but, um... Yeah, this this whole sequence, aside from the extreme story, which is terrible, yeah, um, so very stupid. poorly written if it was written. Um, aside from that, this this whole sequence has a really cozy feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost reminded me of like an actual film set or just a job site of some sort, where it's like everybody, everybody's like the electricity is in the room, so it's like yeah, we're we're eating lunch, but at the same time we all know that in like the next fifteen minutes we gotta like pack up and run out the door. Yeah, and it's just a, a whole bunch of people that are on exactly the same wavelength, and there's just like an uh, electricity in the room that's infectious. Um, and it just it really does have that feel to it. It feels very genuine. It's kind of cool. I can actually smell the steak when I watch this movie. Like I can smell. I'm like she's got. I bet she's got a good amount of black pepper on there. I'm like I bet it's really good steak. I mean, it did make me hungry watching it for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. This is where we learn. They're like, we learn. They explain the Fujita scale. Like uh, the one back there was like an F two or an F three, and then there's F four occasionally, and like F five. And they're like, oh, you don't say F five. And the dumbest fucking line of the whole movie. Like, what's an F five? It's like it's a finger of God. Um, again, I don't know what that means. Get fucked. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but yeah, they they see a a, a news report with uh, Jonas on there, and he's like, "Yeah, my my comrades over there had a little misfortune today." Yeah, anyway, uh, but they're like, "This is where they let kind of let Melissa know that Joe is the one that's seen an F five. Um, yeah, Bill she takes a, shares yeah. with everyone that only, she's the only one in the group who's ever experienced one or seen one. We get a useless shot of her in the shower, like she's again not emoting. She's just taking a shower yeah it's not even a sexy shower it's just a shower which would have been cool i'd be okay with that i mean it's not it's not a chun li shower it's (laughs) not a sexy shower it's just like from the shoulders up helen hunt looking kind of tired it's not a lars von Von trier shower shout out to anybody (laughs) who's seen antichrist you know what i'm talking about uh (laughs) all right all right Boy, are you not ready for that movie when you start watching it. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, 
I don't know what what gets them out the door, but somebody says something in jargon. It's fucking but... Ghostbusters, dude. We got one. We got one. <laughs> no, like uh, literally, it's we yeah. got one, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're running out the door, and uh, uh, Meg gives uh, Dusty some extra food. I guess her and Meg have a conversation. Like, I guess Helen Hunt tells her aunt that she wants him back or whatever. Um. Yeah. After. Well, right before Helen Hunt gets in the shower, Aunt Meg has a, a line about, like, sounds like old times down there. And Joe, I think she, like, even tears up a little bit. She's like, yep, kind of does. And it's yeah. like, oh, she misses her man. <laughs> and it, 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 is, I mean, I've seen some Bill Paxton roles where I'm like, mm, he doesn't seem that great. This is a good Bill Paxton role. Like, he's not playing an annoying piece of shit. Like, this is actually... What is more heroic and stoic roles? This is this is not true lies, Bill Paxton. <laughs> this is aliens, Bill Paxton. This isn't the dark backward Bill Paxton, or Predator is, Two, Bill Paxton. This is not what frailty Bill Paxton. <laughs> I never watched that one. That's the McConaughey. I movies. haven't either, but I remember hearing interesting things about it. Interesting. Interesting. And we do have a month coming up where it might be appropriate to explore it. Oh yes, uh-huh. yes, 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 yes. I forgot about that. Um, but. By the way, Aunt Meg's dog has excellent timing mm. <laughs> because she's sending them off on their way, and just the most adorable dog just like decides to come out like onto the porch just as they're leaving. It's like, oh hey, dog, who's going to be important to the plot like later on? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't see you there. <laughs> uh, this um, is where we get yeah, the this... Van Halen, this the Van Hagar track. It's called "Humans Being," and it was written for this movie. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, nineteen ninety six. I this have was this. The... I have this cool. theory in my head that, like, whenever I think of WCW in the '90s, I think of Sammy Hagar. Just that, Diamond just Dallas his. Page. Yes, it's yes. because of that. Just yes. that image of that guy yeah. with that hair and that that like old guy rock kind of music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I always think when I think Sammy Hagar, I think Diamond Dallas Page. It, you can't. It's the top ramen hair. You can't. <laughs> you can't Long get around top it. ramen hair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't know this was. Uh, this is mostly instrumental. Like, the lyrics kick in right around the time the dialogue does, so I couldn't hear him on the vocal track. Otherwise, absolutely, I would have recognized his voice. Um, but, yeah, we uh, we blast out of town, and uh, Bill nearly cops a feel on Joe when he's putting some mic equipment on her. Mm-hmm. Um, good job, Bill. Yeah, um, right. We drive through a, a cornfield, I think. No, it's just a field. And uh, we nearly collide with Jonas and his crew because we're taking, like, a shortcut through the field to the highway. Um, and then things in the movie, like maybe for the first time in the whole fucking movie, finally like quiet down a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Bill takes us off road, and uh, it there's this weird buildup. I don't know why. I don't. This is a weird choice, but basically the radio is nothing but chatter about like the fatty. Like there's jargon about a tornado that we can't see. Mm-hmm. It's like it hasn't like made landfall or something, but we're 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 literally looking for a tornado, <laughs> and it's it feels kind of silly. <laughs> um, but this up. is where we get some hail, though. Yeah, I call this the emotional twister. Yes, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, yeah. So we almost run into Jonas and his people, and uh, Bill. Bill's, Bill and Joe are the only ones that get close to the Twister. Nobody else gets close. They're the only ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, of course, everybody else hangs back. This is really long. Actually, this is kind of like the... I guess this is, this is like the set piece that's supposed to be like the most intense. 
Um, and it's really not. Um, it just takes a long time. They, they try to get Dorothy up two times, and I think they're obstructed by Is there a tree in this one? Uh, that's towards the end. This one is a telephone pole that, that's what that it is. falls down and kind of botches things. It smashes the truck and knocks Dorothy over, which you would think would still work because the work. balls are the sensors, not the bucket. Maybe they need it to go up. Like it can't be like spread out and scattered. It needs to go up at once so that it's evenly distributed. I don't know. Could, I don't know. Yeah. Point point is it doesn't work out for them. So they yeah. have four Dorothys, and I think two of them are down by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of jargon here where I think mm. Dusty throws out the phrase, they're in the bird cage. Yeah. And uh, Melissa's freaking out. And uh, I think Preacher says uses the phrase, the cone of silence, when the tornado dissipates momentarily. And I was like, Preacher? Someone shoot no. him. <laughs> and I was like, Preacher, go go take a walk towards the tornado. I don't want to see you here no more. <laughs> like, I want, this is where we need Walter from um, Big Lebowski. Like, Treating him like Donnie. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> when Donnie, was the last time please. you saw a broken arrow, Kyle? If ever. I've seen it one. That's Christian Slater, John Travolta, right? Yes. One time. I was guessing about 2015, 2016. Okay. The the warden from uh, Shawshank. Mm-hmm. His the way he makes his exit from the film is priceless, and that's what I want for Preacher. Is that John Travolta whacks him in the throat with a a mag light. And just says, hush! <laughs> As he's going, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the cone of silence is when the tornado momentarily dissipates. And it's actually <laughs> it's actually a weird looking effect because the tornado just bamps the fuck in. Like in one frame. It just goes, Boop, I'm back. Yep. <laughs> it's just It looks weird and janky. Um, and Joe is uh, a little upset. Manic, and, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, this is why you called it the emotional twister, I'm guessing, because yeah. she and Bill have a exchange where she spills the beans about why she's so crazy about tornadoes. And uh, they go back and forth, and this is this is an emotional roller coaster where she's like, you don't understand what it's like to see other people's houses get passed by, and then it, it comes for you, and it he's like, things go wrong. You can't explain it. You he's can't like, predict you, it. Is that what you think, you fucking idiot? That's not what happened. <laughs> what he needed to do was take a line from Tommy Lee Jones's book and say, I don't care. <laughs> get in the yeah. truck. Yeah. And this is where he tells her, he's like, you were. How do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is where he tells her, he's like, this is the reason why I left, more or less. He's like, because you just can't. You can't focus on anything else. And Melissa has an umbrella. She's they're listening to everybody's listening to this whole conversation, by the way, because it's yeah. the radio is on for they some reason. They are standing in the hail. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's completely soaked, and she has uh, one of Dusty's umbrellas. I'm like, that's not that's not doing anything. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, did you notice the one dude's line? That's no moon. That's a space station. Uh, which is, I mean, obviously from Star Wars, Joss Whedon. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a Joss Whedon line. Oh, yeah, that's a Whedonism, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, uh, the big thing that comes out here is that Bill tries to explain that it's like, focus on the things you got, like me. Like me. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> me, Joe. Yeah, and then we we all go to, this is where we have no music, finally. Uh, mm-hmm. There We get to a motel slash... Drive-in slash... Um, Dick's Hamburgers? <laughs> Dick's Hamburgers slash... Uh, 
uh, auto sh- like body shop. There's a body Big shop auto right shop. there. Yeah. Who the fuck watches The Shining in the summertime? By the way, this is not the right time of year to be watching. That's the not Shining. a date movie, folks. That's not a drive-in <laughs> movie either. Like no. you either go to a theater to watch that, or you watch it at home. That's not a drive-in movie. No, um, you don't I, want raggedy sound quality and you know questionable visual fidelity for The Shining. That's a very atmospheric movie. Like you need headphones in, or you need a great sound system, not your fucking radio or whatever those things are that are next to the next to the cars. It's just no. You you try to do a reach around when you're <laughs> like watching The Shining. Shame on you. Darling, darling. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the Melissa, you can tell she's, she's doing some thinking in her, uh, in her little hotel room, like twiddling her engagement ring. Um, Joe goes over to get like fucking eight, she's like, hey, like 12 coffees or eight coffees. Damn, that's a lot. Uh, and they, the, the, I guess there was like a storm warning going on and then it just goes fuzzy and they're like, oh, oh, fuck. This one Um, comes out of fucking nowhere. I need to pause you for a second. Go for it. I don't want to skip past this because this is fucking priceless. <laughs> um, but before I get to that, um, there's a weird like pseudo experimental shot of uh, the way we're introduced to the venue. Um, so it's like we see clouds and lightning, and then the camera like tilts up and the shining comes into frame. Mm-hmm. And it looks weird because it looks like the letterboxing on when you're watching a, a widescreen film or something. It's it's just weird looking. Like I, again, Jan de Bont is a cinematographer by trade, so I'm guessing he made the decision to frame the shot that way. But it's just fucking weird looking. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely trying something new. I don't think it worked. Um, but the one line that I I needed to make sure we we get into is Melissa is playing with her ring, like he said, and uh, there's a newscast about a incoming storm and. It's slightly muffled. Like you have to, you have to be paying attention to hear it. But the newscaster says, "If you have loved ones in the Canton area, do not try to help them. You'll only be a hindrance." <laughs> it's like, in reference to her current predicament, it's like, "Oh my God, that is so on the nose." <laughs> it's like funny. you need to let Bill. Go. He should have looked directly into the camera and said, "You need to let Bill go. <laughs> He's better be. without you." <laughs> It's just, it's so on the nose. It's, it's actually kind of beautiful. It's like you don't, you don't see that in movies very often, where they really go, like full dome with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the TV turns to snow very unexpectedly and very suddenly. Um, and then same thing at the food stand, which, by the way, Helen Hunt is in the process of trying to sign those divorce papers finally, because mm-hmm. I guess during that emotional breakdown she. Maybe realize she got some shit to work out, and <laughs> maybe maybe Bill is better off with the much more stable and, you know, emotionally with it, Melissa. Um, and yeah, we try to actually do some like suspenseful build to the next tornado, um, and Melissa steps out from the motel, uh, in her best Courtney Cox outfit, <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, this is where we get maybe the quintessential trailer line. Uh, from Dusty. It's coming. It's headed right for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, I, that's the trailer for this movie summed up. It's it's either the cow or Dusty running out and saying, it's coming. Dusty. Uh, this thing just, <laughs> just comes like fucking out of nowhere. Uh, like, you just see lightning and then you see <laughs> Twister. Uh, 
Yeah, they they all go hide. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Hoppum gets into a truck. Uh, yeah, Uppum is, is, Uppum is uh, like curled up in the passenger seat of a truck, and Joe actually has to like scramble into the vehicle to yank him out because he's frozen. I guess he's just paralyzed with fear, huh? Upham seems to have a thing in his car. <laughs> he's got a type. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all go into this body shop, and uh, this is where they're all hanging out, and this like this little hose starts going off, and Preacher goes to grab it. He's like, ha-ha, got it. And like maybe this isn't the time for that. And the fucking hubcap comes over and slices his forehead open, and he's the, my head. Oh, yeah. yeah like, just slit this his was, throat, let him die. This was one of those scenes that I was telling you off-air that I... I remembered that very distinctly when I was a kid. Like mm-hmm. I remembered that happening to someone, and I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to come come up again in the movie, and it was so much less violent than I remember it. Yeah, like my memory of it was so much faster and just like more brutal. It's so tame. Yeah, it's, it's so incredibly tame. tame. And this this is a good candidate for one of those movies where I'd watch it with my dad, and he'd be like, he just like mutter under his breath like all that money and he can't even afford good makeup <laughs> he'd always point that out because i mean he's he's seen some shit and like Taya leone in uh, jurassic park 3 he's like all these fantastical dinosaurs and she has the most embarrassing like hack job like head wound mm-hmm. it's like somebody just put a bloody sponge against her forehead and said ah that's good enough yeah. same with this head wound where it's just like a perfect straight red line across his face that has no detail no gore or anything it's like Okay. <laughs> should look like Ray Liotta and Hannibal. Like, like yeah. half of his, his skull should be missing. No, I wanted that man's head to just come off. I mean, yeah. fuck, Jan de Bont. He gave us the hunting. That mm-hmm. had at least a oh. decapitation, a he depacitation. He did the hunting too? Yes, he did. Interesting. Yeah. he's I He has this thing, I guess, about like environmental horrors where it's like there's not like a a specific entity out to get you it's just kind of like everything around you hates you (laughs) um but yeah uh it needs to be said the tornado very conveniently crashes through the drive-through screen um during the here's johnny line um as if to say here's here's me the tornado it's it's stupid but you know if you're gonna do that you're gonna do it whatever um and I couldn't help but notice all the, the metal instruments hanging from the ceiling in this garage. I was like, oh, no, this is exactly the wrong place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, the way the way most of the tornado sequences are choreographed in this movie, that doesn't really come into play, except for that hubcap. Not a whole lot of debris and shit is flying around in the scene, probably because of logistical difficulties in animating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably just weren't there yet. Um but yeah, uh, Melissa is freaking the fuck out here, understandably so. And uh, actually, this scene is kind of well put together because like things just keep crashing through the roof to the point it's almost like it's almost like the Blues Brothers, where it's <laughs> like, oh my god, when does it stop? <laughs> it's like first like a car crashes, then like the truck that's that's posted up falls down on top of the car, and then the neon sign from the from the restaurant comes through and it's like oh my god just stop Stop it's like it's like that one ecw card where they threw like hundreds of steel chairs into the ring and buried the performers it's it's this horrifying incident where the crowd got unruly and just started throwing chairs into the ring and they wouldn't stop Hmm. and created a pyramid of chairs um and then we uh we cut to aunt meg's yeah uh, 
The wind starts blowing in her house. She's reading while listening while the TV's on, which I don't know how people can do that. Uh, yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of trying to multitask that particular task. Yeah, that's not... Re- reading nice. requires... Actual reading requires silence for me. I can write a paper while there's music playing. I can read while maybe like a very, very almost inaudible like uh, like jazz track is playing. That I can do. But read and... Well, the, she's got a full I, blast too, like listening to like Jay Leno or something. I, I can read articles. I can't read a book. Like, I can read internet news with music. Yeah. I can't read an actual book. But um, <laughs> I like that we cut to the exterior of her house. And uh, she's a very crafty woman, like you said. Yeah. Um, and her particular medium is a uh, metal craft. It's like, yeah. maybe not the best part of the country to be into that. Because, <laughs> again, just like the garage, I'm just seeing all these pointed metal instruments everywhere. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm working... I'm working on a full uh, real-life replica of the throne from Game of Thrones with uh, actual swords. Exactly. <laughs> in Tornado Alley. In Tornado I mean, Alley. What, what do your neighbors think of that <laughs> when, when tornado season comes around? <laughs> yeah, this is where we, um, we find out, I guess, Melissa. Melissa's like, I'm going to get going. Like, I'm, I'm dumped this. Uh, he's like, you two got shit you need to figure out. I'm just going to call off the wedding. She's, and she's not upset either. And it's, it's really an adult, like a really mature way to end the relationship. But she's right. She, she can read the situation. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, I say bye-bye, Melissa. And then uh, no warning. And we get, uh, we get the dusty comes up and he's just like kicking a rock walking over there like listen um we got like an f3 or f4 basically he's just wiped out meg's uh wiped out meg's neighborhood so they run over there as fast as possible yeah i, I really liked uh mr hoffman's acting here about the uh, like his his tone shift is very effective because it's mm. dusty like it's important that Dusty deliver this line because to see him serious means shit's fucking yeah. real. Um, and yeah, we we run off to Wakita, and <laughs> I wrote in my notes that uh, Bill chose Dusty over Melissa. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> literally that's what it is. Like he's looking over his shoulder, and Dusty's like, "Come on, Bill, let's go." And then Melissa's like, "Go, go to him, Bill." <laughs> <laughs> so he, Bill and Melissa are done. Bill is officially like part of the team again. And uh, then we cut to Wakita, and we get a post-tornado set dressing. So we don't actually see this tornado. Like, the town's already gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, good job. Like, production design here, they they really made a bombed-out town. That yeah. I, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like the angle we use here when we roll into town is actually pretty similar to when we first arrived or first left that town. Mm-hmm. And it's really striking because it was such a picturesque town when we were there, when we, you know, had our lovely lunch with Aunt Meg. And then we see it now and it's totally unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a neighborhood before with like a, a main street and everything. Now it's just like there's so much debris everywhere that it's like, I don't think there's a road anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And most of the houses are flat, flattened and whatnot. Um, and Joe has a. a moment where she sees a family on the side of the road that is specifically made up to look identical to her own so Mm -hmm. mustache cop same trucker hat and everything um it's it's not the same actors but the way the this is where the spectral choir that oh my god that that 
element of the haunting was so fucking annoying. Every time those kids go, no, oh, on the yeah. soundtrack, it's uh, it's about family, Kyle. <laughs> it's about family. That her her ending dialogue is one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. That is gibberish. Yeah. Like, that is stream of consciousness just straight up gibberish. She was it, good. It makes in, no sense. Remember the movie Ransom? She plays I do. Uh, Gary Sinise's girlfriend in, in mm-hmm. Ransom. Runkle. Runkle's in there. I forgot. I don't yes, know about is. you guys, but he's she's scaring the jeepers out of me. <laughs> You've been fucking drinking again, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It's one. Of, I've seen the movie like two times. I remember that that scene verbatim because it was one of the funniest things ever. Um, Give me back my son. Uh, yeah, so there's no warning. Yeah, they did, because every fucking town in Tornado Valley has sirens that go off when there's inclement weather like this. So, yeah, speaking of which, don't. we got those sirens at the drive-thru. We go in and we save Meg and the dog. Uh, she's got a little cut on her forehead. Uh, she gets more. She gets fucked up worse than a Preacher does, which is bullshit, by the way. Yeah, she hurt her hand. <laughs> should have had. Pre- Do you think it would have been too heavy for them to kill somebody like part of the team? Because I'm fine with preacher going. I, uh, I think, I think the general tone of the movie is too exuberant and and too energetic for yeah. it to for it to have a body count. But for me, as a as a kid especially, I was craving a body count because I was a bloodthirsty motherfucker. I played mm-hmm. way too much Doom, and I remember actually being upset that there was not a body count except for Jonas. Um, to the extent that Jonas, Jonas's exit from the film was probably the thing I remember the best from this movie. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I appreciate a body count. <laughs> Dude, they have, like, when he dies, it's almost like, uh, who who was the sergeant from uh, Die Hard? Uh, the, the, the guy that's running the show. Um, oh, uh, what's it from the Breakfast Club? You mean? Yeah, Dwayne. Yeah, when the, when when the Johnsons <laughs> die in the helicopter crash, and he's just like, "Whoa, we're gonna so need, need some, some more FBI, FBI guys." guys. <laughs> <laughs> Where he kind of just doesn't give a shit. That's kind of how they felt about Jonas. They're like, "Uh, I don't know." Well, okay. Bill Bill tries to cover it up with like yelling and man energy. Yeah, like, he gets he gets his dick energy out to like show that he's passionate, but it's like. I don't think you actually care, Bill. <laughs> Dude, he's about to be in a tornado, and his mortal enemy died. That's like the best day ever. And he's going to make I out mean, with his ex-wife here soon. Should have just cut to him behind the wheel of the truck, just like his eyes rolled back. Just, ugh. <laughs> just <Yeah. like, laughs> he just creams his pants. <laughs> this is uh, the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to fast forward through all this garbage that's coming up here. So we've got, they, they save Aunt Meg, and yeah. she's just and like, the dog. no, you have to go keep looking for the twisters you gotta go we gotta go save the world and yeah bill's just like i have an idea and uh he how does he get the propellers he just looks at something or somebody says something and he joe sees aunt meg's metal craft sculpture out front oh she's the one that thinks of it she has an aha moment and then she she relays it with her psychic powers to bill who picks up on her signal via his spider sense powers and then he's like, cans! We need all the cans! And Pepsi gets paid. <laughs> um, Pepsi gets paid big time. And then uh, we get a bunch of action music. Lovely uh, Michael Bay-esque sunset as we're mm-hmm. riding off to the twister. Uh, the I feel titular like twister. Bad Boys is mostly shot at sunset. I, anytime I think of the movie, I'm like, I feel like it's always the golden hour whenever that when stuff is happening in that movie. That's what Michael Bay do. Like, it's, his, his movies are... 
aesthetically handsome but in a superficial way gotcha um, if that makes sense uh, his movies are like like sexy but in the sleazy way so like mm. pain and gain is the best example where you literally have like strip club scenes that <sighs> the really way those scenes are again. lit and edited are fucking amazing <laughs> but it's like ugh, this just looks greasy and nasty <laughs> i really gotta rewatch that it's been a long time since i've seen it. it uh maybe we'll do that this month dude this final sequence so yeah they're making these propellers it's a propellers montage this is a good montage uh this is, the, is. this is the kind of work i'm like i want to be doing work in a moving van like this like i'm in the back like standing up got music cranked just making these little sense like the the propellers for the sensors the final sequence is like 20 fucking minutes long dude like this takes forever um we we same setup as before like we got to get close to the twister it's only going to be bill and joe doing it um but did you notice this tree sequence uh there's a there's a house sequence but the tree we get a tree coming in out of nowhere this is like an f5 i do believe like this is the big one this this is the f5 so this is the the boss level of the movie yeah that we've been hyping up since frame one of the movie mm-hmm. um and there's there's something to be said for uh this this uh style of writing like a a monster movie because this the twisters in this movie are essentially monsters it growls um, yeah yeah they growl at you <laughs> but like um take for instance like uh the incredible hulk or like iron man or something like that like whenever you have your your big monster whatever make its debut in the movie there's i think the the filmmakers oftentimes put pressure on themselves to change it up and make it special every time it arrives it's like when godzilla shows up he can't just show up he has to like make an entrance yeah like you can't have hulk hogan show up and do the same fucking real american entrance every fucking time sometimes he has to mix it up and they do that with the tornadoes in this movie where it's like we have the sisters and then we have the hailstorm and then like every time it has a different feel to it this time though it's just there like yeah. they just they just drive down the road and it doesn't make an entrance or nothing. It's just there. <laughs> it's like yeah. the biggest, most spectacular tornado in the whole movie. No entrance, just there. <laughs> it's yeah. it's kind of weird, but yeah, the the tree that you're talking about um, gets flung out from the tornado, and it the first one I think just knocks the Dorothy over. So they have two Dorothys left at this point. Yeah, but then there's like another tree that slides under the truck as they're trying to drive away and it slips between like the axles and they get hung up on this tree in the middle of the road and they're stuck i mean they really spend a lot of time on this because we get we get the the cgi shot of the tree we get the like the pov shot of the tree going up under the truck and then like it actually pushing the truck like they spent a lot of time with this like to really they did to hit it home um so yeah they I think they also had a practical semi truck too that they mm-hmm. it flings at them and then we get a very nice uh, '90s fireball because I don't know what it is about '90s explosions but they're very orange and like gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. But yeah, this is where I think Jonas makes his appearance. Yeah, Jonas <laughs> is like uh, he's he now he thinks he he is actually he's the one who's gonna get closer. He's actually right. But Bill Paxton's looking at it, like, they're chasing it, and he's like, oh, no, it's changing directions, and it's headed right for Jonas. Um, I actually really like this. This is a lot of fun. Um, so 
everybody else for some reason I don't know where their vantage point is at, but they're watching. They're everybody's just watching this going like going yeah. on. Yeah, um, they're very far away. Yeah, but Jonas is basically too close, and he even yells at uh, his driver. He's like, "Get fucking closer, nerd! Like I'm not fucking with you. Get closer." And they do, and both teams are watching. One of the teams has a camera, and they're all just like watching this in awe as Carrie as Jonas's truck gets um, impaled by a tower and kills the driver. <laughs> The very innocent driver, by the way. <laughs> he's actually he's like a, kind of a nice guy. He actually he's the one. He's like maybe we should pull over and see if they need a little bit of help. Like he's yeah. like being courteous. He gets killed as fuck, and then <laughs> this truck goes up like a like a rag. It just goes vroom, straight up in the air. So you realize what we're dealing with here, and then it comes down crashing hard. Like he's dead as shit. Oh yeah, Jonas is is not not just in pieces. Those pieces are on fire and at different corners of the state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going back up, probably. He's gonna explode down there. They're gonna whatever's left is gonna go back up. Yeah, I, I did like that in his last moments. Um, our heroes actually try to radio him and like offer some advice, like, "Hey, maybe yeah. back off." And he he brings it entirely on himself this is this actually i mean steven spielberg does have an executive producer credit on this movie this this reeks of him where it's like oh you have a guy that's kind of a jerk in the script huh it's like you're gonna kill him right <laughs> it's like no i wasn't thinking about it like, well i mean you gotta kill him <laughs> he's gotta pay for it he's gotta get his comeuppance i'm gonna watch <laughs> jurassic park tonight I, I just it's gonna happen i can't not stop special. thinking about it um, but yeah, Bill Paxton, <laughs> I love his response to watching Jonas crash into the ground. He he has the radio in his hand and he slams it on the deck of the truck and he says, stupid. <laughs> That's a Keanu line. Like, <laughs> I'm guessing the director had Keanu in mind. He's like, say this, but channel Keanu. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm a piece of shit. I've definitely had people I've disliked as much as Bill Paxton dislikes Jonas. Uh if this was me in this situation, I'd be like, well, that sucks. Like, I wouldn't really... Sorry, I wouldn't really give a shit. Like, uh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Don't care if he's alive or dead anyway, so... Well, I mean, what's, it, what's the difference? Again, I think in, like, 2020, I could totally see them doing something like that. Mm. It's like, they make a gag out of it. <laughs> but no, he's Bill Paxton. He's a stand-up guy. Stupid! <laughs> yeah, so we... This this sequence is yeah, it's just long and drawn out. We mm-hmm. we finally get Dor- we finally get the the truck to Dorothy. We get out of the tree. Uh, we we get they get bumped by the semi. It just gets like just a little tap, just a little tap. Uh, and they manage to get Dorothy up at one point, but then they realize, I mean, it's flying like oh, it's flying. They all fucking lose it, but then they realize oh shit. There's a tornado coming, and it's a really big one. They're dead, by the way. As I was paying attention to this, I'm like, it's fucking up this barn and stuff. I'm like, they're sucked up, 100%. No, dead, dead, they're, dead, they're dead, dead. <laughs> uh, they seek shelter. Uh, they run around. I think there's a horse outside. Is there not? There are horses, and of course they live because America. They get away. Dogs and horses can't touch them, man. You absolutely can't touch you them. Go. I mean, that dog, that Independence Day dog... And I'm, I'm not making a joke here. I'm not trying to make a tasteless joke. I'm like, Asian cinema, those dogs will die. Like, animals die. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> um, 
And uh, I, so they, they seek shelter in Leatherface's barn. Uh, <laughs> they go in. Yeah, they actually w- have a, a line about that. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, where Joe makes note of all the, the scythes and sickles and pitchforks hanging from the ceiling. And she's like, who are these people? And Bill, Bill I didn't quite get this, but Bill's response is like, I don't, I don't think, think so. so. <laughs> yeah. like, so no. I think it is implied that she's referencing like a slasher movie or, or Leatherface, like mm-hmm. the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I which think. Is cute. Yeah, we we get. I think that they're uh, wheat farmers, uh, or they're shears for uh, you know getting the the wool off a sheep, or it's a slaughter. It's a slaughterhouse. Uh, Again, this is an example of like they've teased this like two times already in the movie. Like maybe this was in the script, like to have like farm implements being whipped around in a threatening manner. Like maybe it was in the script, but the the technical side of things they just couldn't figure out. Because yeah. it feels like it. Because we did this trick like th- three times in the movie, and never once does it come into play. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little weird. Maybe it's like a warning. Like if you're if you're watching this movie, like hey, pay attention to where you're going into if you're seeking shelter. Maybe don't go into a place with hubcaps or scythes and sickles and shit. I guess, but if you're trying to you know build excitement in the choreography of your disaster sequence, you need to like introduce new elements, and it just felt like a missed opportunity. Yeah, because I mean Dante's Peak, for example, they they introduce new things that the eruption brings to the table. Where it's like Acid Lake, mm, <laughs> and, acid you know, <laughs> and you know lava bombs and stuff, as Pierce Brosnan refers to them. And don't worry, it has a snorkel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they uh, they end up finding a pipe. He's like, these pipes go down like twenty or thirty feet. We'll be fine. Uh, no, it's gonna break your fucking ribs. Is what's gonna happen. Uh, they leather strap themselves to this pipe and just hold on for dear life. Actually, they don't hold on. It's like they're 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 straight up and down, like being sucked up into the volcano. Um, yeah. They do happen. They do manage to open their eyes, which I'm gonna say, even if they do survive this, no way you're opening your eyes on this. Not a chance. I, I um, mean, really, realistically, I'm pretty sure your skin would just be peeled off. <laughs> um, or that strap, like you said, would squeeze you and tear you in half. You're getting clocked <laughs> in the head by something. You, there's all oh, kinds yeah, of yeah. debris. You're getting yeah. hit in the head with something. No, you would have gravel put through your body, yeah. like a projectile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not uh, a place you want to be. <laughs> the I actually, what did you think about the inside of the twister? I always thought this was a cool shot. This was kind of neat. I thought it was too. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. I'm not entirely sure what they're trying to communicate here, as far as storytelling is concerned, because the music becomes very ethereal and like, like almost, I don't know. It's like she's having a spiritual experience. I think in some ways, I guess she's supposed to be like coming to terms with the twister or something, where it's like she's finally seen it. the beast, the heart of the beast, kind of. And well, that, that was the point. She's like nobody's seen. The, she says specifically nobody's seen the inside of a twister. No one knows what happens in there. So now they actually not only have the data from Dorothy, they've actually been inside the tornado. So they know what's inside. So, and it's it's rendered to look beautiful. It's not meant yeah. to look menacing. It's meant to look like like some sort of holy experience of some sort. It's like a, a column of of white air rushing around and like small lightning bolts touching it 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 looks cool for its time for sure yeah. um, but even today it doesn't look embarrassing or anything it looks fine 
Yeah, they they survive this. They get through, and this this, play, this thing just left a path of destruction. Um, and then they start talking about like they're super excited, like, "Oh, I'm gonna run the lab." No, 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 no. I'm gonna run the lab. How many fucking papers are they gonna write off this data if if they're running a lab? Is it just these two doing a paper? Because generally, what happens when you have uh, like results and stuff is you have multiple thesis, like multiple thesi. Uh, uh, off of uh, data, like people write about different things. Uh, in no, this, this case, I'm this like, would be their career for the rest of their lives, probably. Yeah, but <laughs> like, what can you like? I just don't understand what all you can write about off of this data. I'm sure there's. I'm sure I'm missing a whole bunch. Like, there's probably a lot, but uh, presumably, the most of these people in this group are going to be writing papers on this data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't. I don't know the specifics of what what the data would be applied to, but she explicitly states like you said earlier that the point is she's trying to create a better early warning system so something about a way to predict like weather phenomena better i guess i don't yeah. know so it's, it's all hooey <laughs> everybody comes up they're like you guys made it and then bill paxton just starts tongue fucking her mouth it's like watch me make I, out with my ex-wife i say the other way she comes at him pretty hard uh, yeah she she wraps around him <laughs> Like she swallows his face, and I'm like, that looked awkward. Like, Ooh, jeez, guys. And I, I couldn't really make out any of the dialogue here because fucking Van Hagar is going shine no, shine no. <laughs> There, if you do, uh, when the song first plays, if you catch it, there's actually some pretty bitching Eddie Van Halen guitar playing going on. Um, I'm sure there's some, there's some tasty licks going on in there. Van Hagar is not my favorite. I'm David I, Lee Roth all the way. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Van Halen's first of, album's awesome. Like that, no. that first album, like 1979, 1978, gold, great album. No, I, I really, I really enjoy David Lee Roth, Van Halen, Van Hagar. Mm-mm. I mean, I can't drive 55. That's nice. I like that. You gotta get and those. I liked his song for Over the Top. That was nice. No, David Lee Roth had he had he had a nice singing voice. He was charismatic, and he had his ow ow like he had his. <laughs> any other kicks yeah oh that dude could kick yeah i mean trained by benny arquitas i'm not sure if that name means anything to you but means a lot to me is he the dude from gross point blank uh yes there we go yeah good good job Kyle. yeah thank you um but yeah like we get our end credits and the camera the camera awkwardly pulls back and then we get this actually kind of impressive I want to say it's a mat of some sort where we get to see the landscape post finger of godding and it's just a wreck but it actually looks good because every all the details are obscured because we're at a great distance and it it looks pretty solid for 1996. Um yeah. This this ending is just the ending of speed. <laughs> it's yeah. like two two hot people making out post disaster. It worked before. Try it again. Oh, there's a really sweet video of uh, young, young uh, Keanu Reeves. Dude, I thought I forgot how hot he was back in the '90s. Uh, after the production of that film, like he's talking, and you forget like his attractiveness, and then how sweet of a guy he is. Like the dude was just. He, he was like the dream, the dream hunk. But he's in an interview and he's talking about working with Sandra Bullock, and he's like, "Yeah, it was just a great. She's she's a great actress. She's great to have on set." And she just comes out of nowhere and comes up and gives him a huge hug, like just Aww. just out of nowhere. It's the, it's so sweet. Um, yeah, that that point that Point Break era Keanu Reeves. I'm like that was that was some sexy Keanu Reeves. 
Well, I just watched a, a documentary called uh, "In In Search of the Last Action Heroes," and mm-hmm. um, it just talks about the in, the history of the action genre, mostly in America. But um, uh, they have a a section of it where they touch on like the '90s and how like we fully transitioned to um, actors as action heroes. Mm-hmm. And they had like an entire segment just devoted to Keanu and his his contribution to that, where it's like, well, at the time of Speed, it's like, well, he did Point Break like three years before, but other than that, he was just doing mostly like drama. My own and private Bill and Idaho. And yeah, yeah, he was a drama guy for the most part, but it's like, huh, maybe we should take a chance on a guy who can act or has charisma over you know a guy with muscles or whatever. And, yeah, and it fucking worked out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, you say you you watch this movie every year? <laughs> yeah, I watch it once a year. This is about the time of year that I watch it because this is kind of tornado season. Is it in the spring? Uh, you're getting the hot, you're getting the cold and hot weather starting to mix up, and that's generally what leads to it. But yeah, I watch this about once a year. I'd say uh, I watched Jurassic Park twice a year, and it's a new <laughs> year, so I haven't even watched it once this year. So I'm I'm pretty yeah, much tonight. due for it tonight. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I, I what, can I can see why you enjoy it. It has an infectious energy to it. Just seeing the, just seeing the group of people like spring into action every twenty minutes. It's fun. It it feels cool. Like yeah. like I said, I think the score might actually be the MVP of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than the special effects today, especially. Um, at the time, I'm sure this was mind blowing, groundbreaking. This yeah, yeah. this was yeah. Um, Before yeah, Matrix I, came out. <laughs> Yeah, but the the score in this movie really is a driving force for all the action. Because, I mean, let's face it, most of the action scenes in this movie consist of people driving or running. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, but the score is, like, pulse-pounding and has a great sense of momentum to it. And, and yeah, just all the line deliveries. Like, people, everyone showed up. And it's it's a fun movie, especially if you're into science, which I know you are. Like, yeah. You have an appreciation for it. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a funny guilty pleasure movie because, like, I don't know if I don't know if anybody actually objects to Twister. Like, it, I, don't, I, I don't know, know if it, I don't know if you have to feel guilty about it. But I, watching it once a year, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah uh, thanks for joining us in another edition of our Guilty Pleasures Month. Uh, next week, I will be making the pick. Not entirely decided on what that's going to be. So it's going to be a I'm mystery. Scared. Um, but we certainly know what the finale is going to be, and we'll we'll keep that uh, keep that close to the chest for now. Um, that yeah. being said, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, until next time.